Welcome to the Nerd Tutorial Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today, myself, is your nerdy tutor, Georgia. With me here today, my own, my own Wonder Woman, circa 1984, my mom. Well, and you were born in 1983, and and, mm-hmm. and given that you were 10 pounds at birth, it was, it was a Wonder Woman act to, to birth you. Absolutely. Yeah. So we uh, last week we are continuing. We started our conversation on Wonder Woman itself, um, and then we are continuing this week because we have the Wonder Woman 1984 movie that came out. And I have opinions. Mom, do you have opinions? I have opinions. Okay. So this will be a spoilerish sort of podcast. So please be in mind that we will be talking directly about the movie, and we will be talking about elements of the movie. And if you don't want to be spoiled necessarily... We're not we, spoiling the Easter egg. We're No, we're not going to spoil the one Easter egg. That that one's not going to happen at all. It's it, it, it's telling when one of my favorite parts of the movie is the Easter egg and the closing credits. Okay, yeah. We won't talk about that. We'll I, just I, say, watch the closing credits. Oh, yeah. I wish it was more of a part of the movie, but I mean, like... I wondered if it would be, but I was pleased to see it there. That was, that was I was pleased to see it just there as well, yeah. yeah. So we won't be talking about that, but we will be talking about elements. It's worthy, though. We will be talking about elements of the movie here, so if you don't want to be spoiled, um, go ahead and stop listening now, go watch the movie, and then come back and listen to our discussions and see maybe if you have the same thoughts, opinions, or, uh, or anything else in that particular nature here at all. So, what are your first impressions of the movie? Well, let me first describe how I watched it. Okay. Okay. I watched it on my Surface Pro. Okay. While riding a bike. Oh, you didn't watch it with Pop at all? No, we couldn't get it to play on the TV, but that's fine. Oh, okay. So I watched it on my Surface Pro while riding a bike. And um, I didn't know which was more painful, riding a bike for that length of time. And mm-hmm. I ride the bike every day. But, I mean, um, it did not make the time pass quickly. Yeah. Let's just say it and the Irishman have a lot in common. Overlong, self-indulgent, and and taking itself a bit too seriously. So I, I kind of, especially especially as we got past like... It takes an hour to set up the story. Come on. It, okay, yeah. That was probably my most annoying part there. That it really did take an hour and a half. It almost felt like it took like a full hour I timed to it. get there. Okay. I'm like, okay, finally we figure out what the story is. We're, we're 57 minutes in. Yeah. I'm... Yeah, I mean, I think he could have gotten a lot... a lot Through a lot more, a lot quicker, I really honestly believe. Um, well, but, but let's say... Okay, so, so when this was filmed in 2018, 2019, 2019? This got filmed in 2018, almost, it was got announced directly after the first movie came out. In 2017, okay. In 2018, and so, actually speaking about the release here for it, originally it was set to release in December of 2019, and then it got pushed back to November um, because it didn't want to compete with James Bond, and then... In November, it was announced that Star Wars was coming out, so it didn't want to, you know, didn't want to compete with that necessarily. Uh, or, excuse me, in December, um, Star Wars would have come out, so they pushed it back to November. And then with the... And again, I mean, from what I've understood and what I've been able to hear from news report, from news uh, rumors and stuff like that, is that um, 
people were not initially happy with early test screenings of it, so they wanted to go back and redo and do uh, pickup footage and stuff like that and reshoots. Um, and they also kind of looked at it and said, like, you know what, maybe this would do a lot better in the summertime, which is when the first movie came out and did gangbusters there as well. Yeah, because we saw the first movie, Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, so there was that. So there was that element there. Obviously, because of COVID, it got pushed back even further. It was originally so in March it would have it got pushed back to August. By June, it got pushed back to October, and then they finally, I think, just bit the bullet here and just decided to release it in theaters and le- release it primarily on um, streaming services here. Because again, I, I mean, like, I watched it on a streaming service. Yeah. So I mean, at the um, HBO Max, uh, if memory serves me, but I mean. They were very much preferring to not have to do that at the end of the day. And the reason they kept pushing it back, obviously, because they were hoping this, you know... Things plague, would open. Yeah, this plague that's out there would get a lot better and things would reopen. And uh, it's kind of been in the same purgatory, I guess, the best way to describe it here, as Black Widow. Because Black Widow, the Black Widow movie is done. It's finished filming. It's ready to go. They just don't want to release it without getting a big payout for it, and I don't blame them. Kind of in the same way, because again, like you make, you spend all this money to make this movie, you want to get the biggest bang for your buck out of it, and to release it on to, uh, you know, and the way they would release it at the end of the day would be on to Disney Plus, where you might get some more people get uh, jumping onto the service here, but I mean, like, probably not enough to warrant the movie tickets because you would have to get a movie ticket for every person versus a dozen people could watch it in a living room at one time yeah so i mean like they're in like okay let's cut to the chase here it wouldn't have mattered where when you were going to release oh no no no, okay it might have done blockbusters before you know like like the first weekend it was out before people started talking about it but i can't believe a whole lot of people saw this differently than i did so I've now watched it twice. I watched it the week before. <laughs> Gosh. I watched it the week before, and then I watched it again last night just to be like, okay, let me just make sure I didn't miss anything necessarily. So so, so was it better on the second viewing? If you just assume that it's weird comic book bullshit kind of at the end of the day, you know, like, it's kind of a little bit funner. Okay. So here's so, so here's my problem with my well one of, one of several. Okay. Um, I couldn't tell whether it was trying to be serious or campy. Some of it's so far fetched and so out there, out there that you think, okay, as camp, this would work. As you well know, I am I am a, an absolute. I have bizarre movie taste, and I'm an absolute sucker. For, for camp I actually liked Tropic Thunder I also um, uh, really bad super bad super, super bad, bad super bad was super bad and I loved it laughed the entire time um, <coughs> and not everybody's cup of tea because your father that thought that was horrible so oh, I, I you, good it's, it's sometimes putting a gun to my head to watch super bad okay because well, it's, it's just it's so cringy at certain points. It is so cringy. That's exactly what's what's. It's, it, it's it's one of those. I can't believe they did that. Well, that was what how I felt about Tropic Thunder. But Tropic Thunder is actually funny. 
I would have never thought Robert Downey oh, Jr. Like, in, yeah, bla- in like- blackface with Ben Stiller would have been like, okay, yeah, sure, let's see where you go with this. This is yeah, this is, yeah. This is very, very off-putting, but sure, let's see where you go with this. It just got so many different tangents, and it's just so bad that it's good. Okay. So, so there are things that are so bad mm-hmm. that they're good. Yes. We can agree upon that. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, so good camp Kingman one. Thumbs up, Kingman 2. Absolutely not. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so good camp, totally a fan. Couldn't tell whether this was trying to be, and I don't think it knew either, whether it was trying to be serious or it was trying to be... There, or campy in some or, degree. Or campy, because some of it's so far-fetched. It's, you know, the, the best parts of the movie are probably the parts that are a little campy. Really enjoyed... First of all, in the 80s, I was in my 20s, mm-hmm. okay? So I totally identify with the fashion. Now, it's a, there, there are Miami Vice moments with the fashion. Okay? Oh, very much. Yeah, so um, totally, totally get that it gets the vibe of the 80s. It probably accentuates it a little bit. It gets that that whole self, sort of me generation vibe. It feels like sometimes it goes a little over the top, but that's okay because but that's okay. It's you, really, like, you really want to express that this is the 80s, you know, like... Yeah, like a little like the Goldbergs. Yeah. So, so you, yeah, you want to stress that it's the 80s, so it's the 80s um, on HD. Yes. How's that? Okay. Oh, yeah. So, so um, appreciate that it got, I felt, that part right. It got... Um, the, that whole sort of, of self-indulgent generation and the storyline works with that self-indulgent gen- generation. Mm-hmm. It really does. It, that whole idea of um, if you want it bad enough, you can have it. Yeah. Or that so much that it's that there's so much, you know, leisureless opportunities that are is available at the end of the day. And there's egregious wealth and... Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I actually felt like it was a little Trumpish that way because... Well, we'll get to that part later. Okay, but, but, but Trump but, is very much that, that... That mold. That mold. So yeah. that, that, that opulent fake, mm-hmm. but opulent mold. And so it got that right. And, and one of the best scenes in it, um, and here we're going to give away plot twists, um, Chris Pine comes back. Yes. Okay. And, and I, I think that's probably in the trailers. So I don't think we're giving away much there. No. Uh, so Chris Pine comes back and they actually flip roles. So in the first movie, one of the, the sweet and endearing things was um, uh, Wonder Diana mm-hmm. um, learning how to wear clothes. Women's fashion. Women's fashion. Seeing this. Seeing this, horse and buggy. Seeing. See, this mid-1920s sort of version of the world and that's all very like the, the first innocent cars. and nubile to her as well. And yeah. this is also my favorite part of the movie as well was just watching um, you know Captain Trevor here like, like Deanna just literally leading Captain Trevor around and it's like it's he's the, amazed by escalators. The subway system. She has to walk him onto an escalator. Because he has, yeah. So, so it's an absolute flip of that that very endearing scene in the first movie, mm-hmm. and that was sweet. Uh, that that's probably that is probably my favorite part in the entire movie. So, so that, that 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 five minutes of doing that. 
Well, and that fish out of water sort of thing. It's what well, I wish. And, and the five minutes of getting him dressed. Getting him dressed takes. Oh, that was hilarious too. Everybody parachutes. It, it gets a cute moment. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's because he's wearing parachute pants. Mm-hmm. He's like everybody parachutes. No, no, nobody parachutes. We're just wearing awful style. Um. So so I I I thought that was sweet. It was endearing. It was a link back to the first movie, switching their places, and from that end, it was really cute. Mm-hmm. And and initially he comes back in somebody else's body. He recognizes. He actually goes and looks for her, and um, finds her via the phone book. Fi- finds her via the phone book because he says some things don't change. Wait, well, now you know if that were to happen today, you wouldn't be finding her, would you? No. Yeah. Well, so interesting well, timing. Well, not necessarily. I mean, like that was my first thought. Was was you move it? You move it another twenty years, and phone books don't exist. True, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you might have struggles then. By 2004, phone books are gone. True. I, it, that does lead an interesting question of if you set this in the mid-2000s here even, or, you know, like, you know, 2006, 2007, even, like, would somebody understand how to use the Googles? Or even understand what email mm-hmm. was or anything Or what like a that? computer was. I mean, how would he even know what to turn on? Yeah. Which leads me to another point in a couple of minutes, but... Um, I think you know where I'm going with that one. Um, anyway, so so that to me totally works. Okay, that part there's of the movie, cute absolutely. moments, but but some of that is pretty campy too. Mm, absolutely. And and so those lighthearted moments are probably the for me the best parts of the movie. Yeah, again, when it's not taking itself, you know, when it's this fish out of water moment, when it's Deanna and Captain Trevor with each other, you know, like. Um, in that particular case, like, it's sweet, and it's, like, it's super endearing, and, like, I like that element of it. I- again, like, the part, again, a part of, I think, with the entire part, one of the problems with the movie here is just the dis- the uneven dissonance between, obviously, like you said, what is, you know, parts of it being really Great campy, um, and then other parts of it trying to, to be serious about it here, like... I'm just going to be outright and say here, like, thank God Kristen Wiig was there because she was stretching. <laughs> I don't, and I don't mean that in a bad, no, 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 so, I mean. Yeah, no, no, no I get it. She is really, really straining for this role here, and she's doing everything to go they, from. They, they're trying to make her sexy, which I'm not sure entirely works. No. Okay, yeah, good. That's, okay, yeah, good yeah, to yeah. get a male view the, on that. No, 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 yeah, no. Again, the, there's the scene where, like, she. Dresses up in the black dress to go to the Smithsonian Gala, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, I, I, the dress is really is kind of nice, I guess. I don't know. I'm it's a, really tight and it's very figure flattering, and yeah. she has and she has the figure for it. Yeah, it's for figure for it. And suddenly she can walk in high heels. But like, I'm I'm noticing the hair, and I'm just like, oh dear God, you get electrocuted. What happened? Like, I, now, um, now, 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 I understand it's eighties hair. It's eighties hair. It's eighties hair. I could show I you a picture that would absolutely of me with your sister with all the. I I never went the full eighties hair, but it's definitely eighties hair. Yeah, like it's just that, like, I, for my sensibility here, like. She's really straining against the role. She's she's perfect in the sense that she plays off the nerd turning into, like, the celebrity sort of aspect of it really well. I think the nerd could have been played by any number of women, though, that might have been better in that 
that the the femme fatale that she becomes. I do kind of and, and, and I do so, as well, but I mean, like, but I also kind of appreciate Kristen Wiig because I think she's done. I, I think she's again being put in an interesting role where it's not something she normally does at all, and so it's kind of like when Bruce Willis got put into far, Die Hard. Far Cry from from Bridesmaid. Yeah, it was again, again, it's it's a far, you know, it's again, it's not the kind of movie you would expect her in, and so, I can so, kind of appreciate that at the end of the day that it, that you were not going to expect you know, Kristen Wiig to do this and she does a very admirable job admirable job for it at the end of the day here, all things okay. considered. So let's back up here though. Let's let's talk about the fact that that you have four major roles in the movie. Right? Again, okay. when I when right. I was when I was going through this list here, I was going through four major characters. You've got the, the four major characters, but but the most recognizable names in this movie in order are Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, mm-hmm. Kristen Wiig. Yeah. She's the third most recognizable name in a movie that's supposed to be a blockbuster. That right there tells you that people passed on this story. Because because for a blockbuster you expect I mean I mean, after that, the name recognition drops like well, I mean, Pedro Pascal is, is is quickly becoming a bigger name is over he, time. Maybe I'm, I'm working in the wrong circles, but but let he, I mean, he, he's slowly becoming a bigger name. I mean, like he had a big deal with he was in Narcos, um, and then he was also again he's the Mandalorian as well. So he's getting okay. So he's he's, get, right. he's getting he's getting more recognition over time. And actually, what's interesting about Pedro Pascal is that this is his second Wonder Woman production. Actually, oh, is it because he was actually in the pilot for the. Uh, 2011 TV series that would have been playing off of like they, they they were trying to get launched as well, so he was in that at one point. Well, I sat there trying to think of other people who could have uh, done the role initially. Yeah, so well, well, other people that could have done actually both roles. Um, I wonder what what if you had a Colin Firth play play that role, what you would have gotten out of it. And now I can see Colin Firth doing that doing that kind of role. Um. I also played the same game with the Kristen Wiig role. So the original Kristen Wiig, from what I understand, was actually originally going to be... The studio wanted to get Emma Stone. Okay, that would have been a good... Because, again, Emma Stone can definitely pull off the femme fatale sort of element on that very easily. Isla Fisher, I thought, would be an interesting choice for that role. Um, i gotta, I got to find his name here because I... I, I because um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But. I thought I thought somebody who could have brought. Uh, so so what? Chris, so Christian Wig does a, a. I don't want to say a serviceable job. It's better than that. Um, but there were so many different ways to interpret that character, and it was interpreted in the most boring, bland way it could have been. It didn't take any risks. There you go. Okay, so maybe that's my problem. I think think that was really the thing here. It was played straight up. It was was played very straight. I almost imagine that, like, somebody saw... I I really do think that somebody saw Princess Diaries and was like... (laughs) That's such a great analogy. That's that's immediately what I thought of when I saw it. I saw... I was thinking, like, oh, they're going to do Princess Diaries on this shit. Now, don't get me wrong. At first, I like, I, at and first, I like Princess Diaries. I really. At first, did. I thought they were going to go Clark Kent on it, and and it was going to be that that um, Wonder Woman was going to get a sidekick, 
Like she realized. So so. Which it, is really what she needs. I mean, like I'm. I, at the end of the day, here, like I kind of understand. Um, so again, obviously, Gal Gadot English is not her first language. And I actually kind of like the the unplaceable accent. I do too. It's just that I don't know. I mean, Max well Lord that, has an unplaceable accent as well. Yeah, but, but but I think that's a lot of Pedro Pascal as well in a certain level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both with the choice of both actors, you're going to get a, an imperfect. I, 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 it's not so much that I don't mind the imperfect accent at the end of the day, or even so much as that it's not the first language, which would be perfectly fine considering that like Diana is supposed to know multiple languages. I think my well, only... the fact that she is she is a mystery anyway. Yes, and, the, and again, and it adds that element on there. It's just that like it's hard to tell whether Gal Gadot is a really great actress or not in that particular respect because oh she's not yeah I, I think a lot of the case was for her was because she was that is because that she is like five foot nine oh and, she's an Amazon yeah that she's like five foot nine and that she could stand next to Henry Cavill and you know and Ben Affleck. You know, for that initial movie, and that she looks the part. She really does look the part. She looks. She looks the part. She looks a lot like uh, Linda Carter did. She has the right figure for it. I think she's actually a good choice for it. Much like you said, they played it safe. Oh yeah, this is this is okay. one they played with, it really with, safe with Barbara's Barbara's character. They they played it safe, mm-hmm. and that's and you're exactly right because they play her straight up, and there's there's not a whole lot. A visible direction there she's she is what what she is and yeah. and and they don't give her even with her storyline i don't have a lot of empathy for for her at the end of the day i mean like you spend so little time she's not saying, interesting i don't know if it's that it's just like you see so little of her in the beginning as and what you do see of her in the beginning is this rampant doormat of a person and yet and, Gal Gadot and, has dinner with her and says, I haven't laughed this hard in a long time. You're such a warm person. And you see her giving food away mm-hmm. on you what see, is a, see, a yeah, regular see, basis. And yeah, you see that she's a nice he person knows, and everything. He knows that guy. Yeah. And, and, and she, this is a homeless person that she greets very warmly. And, um, and, and that's done so that, you, so that he can, she can turn on him later mm-hmm. and, um, and tell him to mind his own business. And... Um, so they they spend they spend what is a half hour at the beginning um, with this contest that that uh, Diane is in, which has a, this prescience moment in which um, in in which um, she is not allowed to finish the competition because she takes a shortcut. Now she's she's a little girl in this. She's like maybe ten. Eight, ten. The actress who, who did it was twelve, and was actually kind of interesting from what I was reading in notes on it was that um, the twelve-year-old actually did all the stunts because the other twelve-year-olds couldn't, or the the stunt doubles couldn't do the stunts as well. So, so this is like a gladiator, like the television. Oh yeah, no, it's very gladiator esque. Yeah, at the end of the day. where where there's a, a an obstacle course that's about impossible. She falls off her horse, deep into it. She at some point she's leading you have to swim you have to run you have to leap all these things Mm -hmm. and she falls off her horse and she sees a shortcut where she knows she can catch up with her horse she takes the shortcut and she hops and she's still shooting all her arrows and the right things um this makes a pentathlon look like nothing 
Um, and she's against all these full-grown women. Mm-hmm. She's the only child in here against all these full-grown women. And um, right as she comes in to finish, and she's going to throw her javelin through this very distant circle, um, she, she gets stopped. She gets stopped, and because she took a shortcut, mm-hmm. and and she tries to explain, and and persons, the, the woman who stops her says, "All that matters is the truth, and you can't." win without the truth and you can't and it's a very prescient moment for what's been happening in the last two months it's an interesting if if you go back and rewatch just that part it's an interesting it's interesting but like that's but unfortunately it's not what it's not our lives at all either because like the truth really does matter, and you know, and nothing get, matters but the truth. And nothing the, and matters that, but the truth, and you get held held accountable for that. Uh, you know, like I'm kind of seeing a little bit of that now, but I mean, but that's a whole other thing here. My biggest annoyance with that was that you know that element of the story of Diana trying to take a shortcut, you know, later on doesn't come up at all it doesn't come up and i kept waiting for it to like why would you have her take this shortcut and 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 choose the easy path or so much as that like the truth doesn't matter at the end of the day could have been an interesting narrative that like it is in again it's not a very explicit narrative but is somewhat of a narrative throughout the entire thing because um again one of the things you know she has the lasso of truth and she has the lasso of truth and which I wish they would have done more with, in all honesty, outside of being just like a plot MacGuffin sort of like grapple hook element. Yeah, I, I really do wish they used the, the lasso of truth in more interesting ways. In to that what, to well, well, I mean, at the end they allow they they use it. I they use it to have Max Lord see the truth, mm-hmm. but it isn't as powerful a moment as it could have been. Oh yeah, no, he could have seen the truth as as. As people's wishes not bringing them happiness. Yeah, and 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 and, and, it, it, and it isn't really played off that way. No, or it, that's not what I took from that moment. So, so the plot MacGuffin of this entire thing is this Dreamstone, which is supposed to be kind of like the monkey's paw at the end of the day. Here, yep. it's supposed to be like, yes, you get your wish, but it doesn't necessarily happen the way you want it to. It costs you, or it costs you something at the end of the day. So, so nothing's um, for free. No. Nothing's again the law of equivalent exchange. Yeah, um, and so I would have liked that. You know, like that entire initial intro sequence here really dragged on after a certain point because you're just like, okay, where is this going? What is where this going? Is this going? Be? Where is, what is this going to be used too, for? It, t- it took too long. It's twelve minutes long. Is it? Oh, it seemed like longer. It's twelve minutes long, and then you have like this next montage of Diana as Wonder Woman, like. Doing stuff for what felt like the better part was, which which was for another ten minutes. Yeah, and then you don't see Wonder Woman ever again for about another hour and a half. Yeah, she doesn't show up for a while. No, she doesn't show up for quite some time, and I'm a little so. Okay, so going back to the first element here, which is the uh, gladiator competition. Right. There's a literary term. Well, it's not necessarily a literary term, actually. It's kind of a movie term called Chekhov's gun. And the notion of Chekhov's gun is that you don't introduce a gun and then don't have it play a portion of it. So, okay, thank so, you. So Hitchcock Hitchcock came up with this, had this notion kind of at the end of the day, 
or I think this other I think it's actually this guy named Chekhov, but I heard it from um but I've heard it from Hitchcock at the end of the day was that if you introduce something into so like at the end of the day I introduce this gun mm-hmm. and I leave it on the table I am secretly telling the audience that gun is going to be used for something later on. Whether you actually use it or not is completely, di- you know, whether you use it for what was intended or not is a completely different thing. But the audience is expecting you to use that because why would you introduce it if you didn't? It's kind of the same element in comedy or, or rather not necessarily comedy, but improv comedy is that if you introduce something at the end of the day here, like you have to, you have to have that continue to be a part of the world. So like if you were, oh yeah, we're on this fishing expedition, yeah, but we're leaving the fishing now, we're going to go do that. But everyone's like, no, no, you talked about fishing. We're we're now invested in the fishing. What's going on with the fishing? So like you don't bring stuff up unless you tend to use it in some right. sort of way, shape, or form, or somehow it introduce something to the plot at the end of the day. So I mean like, you know, there's that element, there's those elements there at the end of the day that are that come up. And I find that, his entire gladiator gladiator author thing, which is again a neat thing to see this young girl doing this and kind of seeing like you know this harsh lesson that Diana learns at the end of the day, which is all the truth is. She was the, the a, truth is everything, but it's not in the same context though. I mean, like this is Diana. You know, if Diana had been trying to find a shortcut and trying to find every other way to get what she wants without losing Steve Trevor. Right. You know, which is kind of, which does kind of happen here. Like, yeah. I would kind of understand, but I mean, like, it's something completely different where, like, if during the entire event, instead of taking a shortcut, which is clearly kind of meant to saying, like, you're taking a shortcut, if she had failed at something and then tried everything else to win at the end of the day, but didn't win, you know, then I think that would but, kind of make more sense later on where, like, but she, I guess that's my issue is is in the storyline she never takes a shortcut. So wouldn't it have been better to go back to the story of of Asteria mm-hmm. and 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 tell a little bit more of her story and 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 have it be that that in order to save the world you have to sacrifice because in the end this is about sacrifice. Yeah, and or so much in the sense is that. Um Again, I think that if you really got to the, um, I, I really do think that if you recontextualize that gladiator thing into an element of sacrificing, but also, you know, you have to do the right thing at the end of the day. If you recontextualize that, then that would have made a much better lot. It would have been a much more meaningful element throughout the entire movie in and of itself. Because again, I mean, like, this, you know, outside of like being depowered a little bit i mean like wonder woman's not really losing a whole lot here i mean like i mean at the end of the day here like yeah you're losing a lot of your strength at the end of the day but you're still fairly capable of doing all this other stuff fairly easily well okay so so part part of it to me was an interesting choice you save the world or you have a life as a normal human being you get depowered but you get steve yeah, which wouldn't and, be and, a bad life. No, and, and I and I think that'd be a life that she'd be willing to do. And again, that goes back to you never okay, but and and you could have you could have leveraged off of that and 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 had them have this conversation. But we could have a life together. But well, what kind of world would it be? Mm-hmm. But we could have a life together, and whatever world it would be, 
I could have a life as a normal person with you, and maybe I'm ready to have a life as a normal person. Yeah, because if you think about it in that context, it's been 60 years. Yeah. You know, since you've seen seen this person, and like... And you've never found another love, and mm-hmm. and and you've had 60 years at the same age. Maybe it's time for you to be depowered and, and live, it, live a normal life. And that would go back to what was the original, what would happen back in the 70s, where Wonder Woman did get depowered. And stuff from there. So I mean, like in that particular aspect, it's, it is kind of a nice little nod to that. But on they a certain never level. actually but it, but have that conversation. No, and then so they never actually do that. Would the, and and this is where I think the movie the movie can't decide whether it's serious or campy. And if it was going to go the serious route, that would have been the route to take. Mm-hmm. You could have had an adult conversation about about the choices we make. And do I choose Steve and a life that's normal in a world that's chaos? Mm-hmm. Or do I choose saving the world from chaos and give up Steve? Yeah. And 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 actually talk about what that sacrifice is. Because that conversation takes a matter of, of, of maybe two minutes. Two or three different minutes of going through it. But they have this in this kind of... They they do kind of have that conversation, but they don't but it's actually... kind of in a void. They, it, they, they never talk... They actually, yeah, but they don't actually go through it. They're just kind of like yelling at the void at each other. Like, no, you have to do this. I'm not doing it. But you have to do this. I gave you up once. You know, like yeah, I've never asked for anything in the world. What the the conversation they don't have is, if I chose that, then I would live as a normal human being, and I would live as a normal mortal. And and what is that that world like? They don't have that conversation, which would have been the sort of adult conversation to have. That would have been interesting. So, so, so going back to to the twelve minutes, was it really only twelve minutes? It seemed long. It, it felt so really long. long. It felt really long. Well, the, in the worst part, again, it would be fine if it was that long. But if you had an idea of where it was going, what was actually but, happening? But what would have happened if you had spent it six minutes on her, on her life as a child, and six minutes on Barbara's life as a child? Barbara's a geologist. She's mm-hmm. obviously very sciencey and nerdy. Could you have? Because later on, they show you Max Lord's growing up. Yeah, I, I think which is totally wasted too. But okay, uh, agreed. Yeah, I mean, it would have been. You can't it, it blame been more every bad that. person on having abusive parents. Yeah. No, I mean, I it's really, not an excuse. No, and, and I do think like. It's very that, I do think that scene lasted way longer than it need to, to, needed to, and I certainly... It seemed, seemed to me tossed in without much thought. I think there was an intention there. I think it just didn't come off the way we we viewed it at the end of the day. Because, I mean, like... Because, again, I mean, like, you're not going to go through the entire process of creating these sets, creating all... You know, going and getting these horses and learning horseback riding and having all these different elements and go to these remote locations to shoot these scenes without some sort of intent being there at the end of the day. I mean, like, at the end of the day, I mean, like, you're not going to be able to really convince a movie studio to be like, hey, we should do X, Y, and Z because, you know, in in the story here, they're going to look at you and be like, okay, but what, you know, but why are we doing this? And that's part of the reason why I don't understand why they go to... Thank you, Google. My Google, Google just chimed in. Google likes to, yeah, so. But again, I mean, like, I, that's why I certainly wonder why they went to Spain to shoot those scenes in Spain um, when the fight happens in this remote desert where you didn't really need to do it at all. 
like okay like so, kind so of we're talking about about when they get to the egypt, egypt yeah yeah like i don't understand okay like, well okay so let's back up let's take this chronologically I think that there were other things you could have done with the opening scenes that maybe would have shown Barbara developing, Max Lord developing, and Diana developing, and, and, and counterpose the different worlds. Say, this is what happens when you grow up in a supportive world, when you grow up in a world where right is right, and, and that's what's taught. And I think and, you could have done it in a nice, you know, 80s montage as well, even. Yeah, so I, yeah. I think I think there, there was a different way to handle that. I, I, I found it self-indulgent. Just my, just my two cents. Although always nice to see Robin Wright. Um, we need more Robin Wright. We need more Robin Wright. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, so you know we get through the whole sort of um, there's this Latin stone with a ring on it. Looks almost kind of like a vase actually, but it isn't. It's, yeah, it's a weird sort of ring. Yeah, it's a weird sort. Of, well, but it's not a ring ring. It's a because you know it's so almost it's like, like a stone a, it's a stone, stone that's like put a, around with, a ring with a metal thing holding it together that that is the size of a bracelet yeah yeah about the size of okay. a bracelet so um and the stone we learn over the course of the movie has been in a number of places a number of times barbara's a, a geologist at the smithsonian new hire diana befriends her she's a nerd she she trips over everything she falls yeah and and nobody's very interested in her. She's very boring. Oh, yeah. um, of course, they become interested in her once she gets sexed up. I think the whole sexing up of, of Kristen Rigg doesn't totally work for me, but that's okay. Well, I, I find that to be an odd notion at the end of the day, considering that, like, you, you think Wonder Woman as this very sex-positive sort of individual, this very yeah. sexy but still kind of sophisticated, glamour sort of thing. Yeah. And that her power lies in the fact that she is gentle and that she is kind, despite yeah. being this. Yeah. And that Kristen Wiig gets more powerful the sexier she gets. Yeah. Kind of a weird dis weird dissonance there between what your title character is versus what your villain is. I found that I found that to be a weird dichotomy at the end of the day between like you get more powerful based off of how how much sexier and semi sluttier you get. Well, but but interesting that men found her more attractive. This, you know, the the more sort of sort of uh, I know what you're doing tonight thing happened. Yeah. So so in the course of this this whole thing, it, this this stone gets robbed from um, Kristen Wiig at some point. Well, yeah, this stone only comes to Kristen Wiig because the FBI wants information on it because it was robbed from a store. Mm-hmm. And Kristen Wiig. Um, and and Diana realizes from the very beginning that the stone, because it has an inscription in Latin, um, which of course she can read. Something off about it. There's something. Yeah, different. that there's something that it's a wishing. She interprets it to be a wishing stone, but she knows that there's just something wrong, and that that um, and but after you know they they have this this little conversation in which they say. Um, you know, what would you wish for? And and Diana says, I know what I would wish for. And then um, after she leaves, Barbara wishes to be like Diana. Yeah. And um, and so that that evening, um, Kristen Wake still has the stone in her office. Max Lord knows she has the stone in her office. Um, he is a failing 
um, yeah, so we, we might pyramid want to scheme guy, really. Yes, yeah, so we should really talk about Max Lord at this point here because we've kind of slightly dancing around it here. Yeah. Like, so divorced dad, divorced dad, some you know, kind of like a, a infomercial sort of like you can get you know you can make it if you can dream it you can have it you know sort of like. In, in, He's selling stock in in oil futures. Yes, and not do, you know, and hasn't actually found oil here yet at all. Um, I found it very interesting because again, you see him and he's like, oh, he's he, he's this very put together person. Then you get to his actual office and like it's empty. It's, it's cavernous, empty, it's, but it's, empty. It's cavernous. It's like everything was got ripped out of the walls and everything. But then you get to his office and it's still just this luscious, you know, nice office that you know opulent. Lots of lots of. Uh, Antiquities. Yeah, lots of antiquities and gold kind of elements in a lot of cases, brass and bronze. Very opulent in sort of the eighties way. And and that's as I said earlier, one of the things the movies got right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Again, very much very much you can it oozes the eighties, I think is the better yeah. way to put it here. Yeah. Um so Pedro Pascal obviously is becoming a much is slowly becoming a much better geek known actor, kind of I think at the end of the day, especially as he's been the Mandalorian here. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, has certainly been an interesting role for a title character because I really do like the fact that in The Mandalorian, he rarely, if ever, takes off his helmet. Mm -hmm. And because he rarely, if ever, take you know, almost never takes off his helmet here, like, it's a largely quiet role. You didn't even really need to have him in the suit, but he did, he did all of his own suit work and everything, uh -huh. which I found awesome. Yeah. Um, but he... His intention, whether this was the case or not, this is what he's publicly said, is that he's trying to do a Gordon Gecko by way of Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor. I, I see that, actually. Yeah, and you can totally see that. Yeah. I think the problem here is that not a lot of people are going to remember who Gordon Gecko was and are not going to remember Gene Hackman as Lex, Lex Wall, Luthor. Wall Street. Yeah. And, 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 and Superman. And so I think the logical... The, but it's uh, a callback to the 80s. I mean... It's I a mean, very good callback to the 80s, absolutely. Yeah. Again, I mean, Superman 1979 would have been yeah. right then and there, and then you would yeah. have had Superman, the second Superman as well just a couple of years later in, right. in 82, yeah. I want to say. I mean, like, yeah. yes, it, it totally makes sense there. I absolutely agree. It's just that I think for our modern audiences, I think the analogy is going to be to, you know our president at this time, Donald Trump, and I don't... Who also is an icon of the 80s. Also very much an icon of the 80s. Again, I mean, I, I, I appreciate kind of the way that this character is portrayed, because the character is, is a very much a is not necessarily a mainstay of the DC comics, but is a, an important character in the DC comics. Um, so in the DC comics here, um, Maxwell Lord the Fourth. The fourth. the fourth is the son of a business of a of another very very well known businessman in the Lord family. Um, he is a very prominent, you know, business magnate. And um, uh, how do I put it here? Um, well, in that light, the backstory that they gave him in the middle of the movie makes absolutely no sense at all. No, no, no. In, in that particular, aspect. and it seemed it seemed disjointed. Yeah, I mean, like. I really do think it was like a businessman who didn't want, who wanted to be better um, at the end of the day. But again, I mean, like the Maxwell Lord character from the comics is actually fairly interesting. I mean, he creates the Justice League International in Europe. Um, 
he eventually gets mind control powers, and um, he's actually the one person that got Wonder Woman to kill. Oh. So, so he's an interesting character in that particular respect. He also yeah, she almost kills. They they stop her just short. Yeah, um, he's also um, so yeah. So he was a big deal in the Infinite Crisis element, um, where he kills the Blue Beetle that ends up kind of sparking a number of events that happen throughout that series, and as a result um, of Wonder Woman killing him, um, which he also kind of semi-planned as well. Um, it also brings us this to kind of a super interesting story in Blackest Night and Brightest Day later on. Okay. Um, which which I actually find is kind of an interesting story. Blackest Night is kind of DC's way of explaining why superheroes keep coming back to life. Um, and as a result of the end of that, um, we move they move into Brightest Day, which is the aftermath of the of the events of Blackest Night, um, which revi- you know resurrects Ma- Maxwell Lord. So this character had, that had been dead for, uh, I think, the better part of five or six years got resurrected again. And he's been kind of an interesting character. So, so I'm just going to ask you an overall question, and this, this applies globally. It, do you really need explanations? I, I kind of find, find with comic book series, because you have Petey Parker comes around several times, um, uh, you, know, you have various iterations. Don't you just sort of suspend disbelief? Yeah, which we'll talk about with this storyline too in a couple <laughs> minutes. But um, I, I don't. I, so I don't think I need it explained. I don't. Re- I, I don't. I, I. It was so much in the fact that I was reading it, and so I'm not a big DC nerd at the end of the day. I'm more of a Marvel. Marvel yeah. I'm more of a Marvel nerd, um, if only just because I find the DC universe tends to be a lot more squeaky clean in a lot of its characters, you know, versus where Marvel characters tend to have... They're um, more nuanced. They're, they're a lot more nuanced, again. I mean, I, my favorite example is always going to be the Fantastic Four when you look at it because you've got Mr. Fantastic, which is meant to be like this 1940s, 50s uh, father figure at the end of the day, this stern and unrigid sort of individual, but his superpower is to stretch and be the most malleable person in the world. You have the Invisible Woman, which is this person that is, you know, for the lack of a better phrase, kind of a glamour puss. You know, very statu, you know, model esque, statuesque, even. You know, you know, goes through all these different phases throughout the comics of being like this very beautiful, glamorous woman that fits the, the age. And her, in her superpowers, is to be invisible. You have, you know, the most powerful element. You know, you have one of the most natural, powerful elements in the hands of what would be a rebellious teenager. Uh, and then the most bigable, biggest, lovable, biggest character of everybody is also the guy that's the hardest, rockest, rockiest guy in the world, you know? Yeah. That can't, you know, that can't necessarily show this big, bright energy from him. No, he's a rock. He's a rock. And again, I find that dichotomy interesting because, you know, Bruce Banner, you know, this nerdy, geeky guy that transforms Dr. Jekyll style into this massive Hulk that, you know, loses all aspect of any sort of logic, rationale, and greatness that is, you know, Bruce yeah. Banner at the end of the day, in li- in lieu of a, I get green and I punch things really hard. And I and it's just brute force and anger. Oh, yeah, and absolute brute force and anger, too. And yeah. again, so I find, and again, that's why I find Marvel heroes more interesting because they're a lot more nuanced and, they, well, and, and I, their powers come with some level of trade-off. 
Well, see, and I think this is why the movie would have been been more interesting if you didn't know that Diana was always going to do the right thing. And if you actually saw her toil over what decision to make rather than the decisions pretty much already made for her. I would have I would have loved to have seen the conversation that says, but we could have a normal life. Absolutely. I, and I think that's a, I think that's a very weak, it's a very missed opportunity at the end of the day. Yeah. So, so we have, so we have Max Lord who, who actually, you know, I, I wish they would have developed this, the relationship with his son more as well, because the son is just inserted in there. And even though that becomes a critical force at the end, mm-hmm. you don't get any sense at all that he genuinely loves or is proud of his son. Or even so much that like, and I agree he's with a, he, yeah, he's the, a, the son he's is a, a very, it's, it's a, it, he's not happy to see him. No. And, but, he, but he truly loves him. But he, again, I, mean, but like, I don't get the sense that he truly loves him. You're meant to think that he truly loves him at the end of the day. At the end, but maybe. Yeah, again, it's a very contrived sort of... I really do think if they spent more time on that element here, like... It, the, the One of the easiest ways you could have you could have done that, especially in the very beginning of it, would have been that when they when he's there at the office, when, this, when the kid is there at the office, that this other guy who's in the background is like, no, like... You know, like don't you don't you mention my son or don't you you know, don't you say anything? He's like you are a loser. No, like not in front of my child. Not in front of my you know. Not in front of my child. Not in front of my kid. Like yeah. You know, like other stuff like that. Like you can see, like in, you would give the impression more that the dad that Maxwell Lord is really trying to present himself as a you know as a good as a good figure at the end of the day because like, he cares about what his son thinks about him even more. That you think that like. That is that he's trying to do everything he can for his son at the end of the day, and, and he's about to lose his company. Yeah, and he's very much about to lose his company, you know, and about to, in theory, maybe go to jail and stuff like that from the FCC. But you, you'd think that at a certain point here, like you would have invested some, you know, sideline of words to be able to better express the devotion that you know Maxwell Lord has with his kid. Well, the kid's old enough to say, "Oh, you're a lousy father." Just fuck off. Yeah, I mean, you, you think that, but like you, you know, like no kid really wants to tell their parents that they're a loser. And by the time you're like, he's 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 what eleven, twelve. I was going to say like nine or ten. Really think that young? Okay. I, I mean, I kind of at the end of the day, he's old enough to get it. And he's a, yeah, he's very much he's he's very much aware of what's going on and what's kind of happening and that. Yeah. You know, like his dad is kind of not honest, being honest about everything happening. Yeah. You know, like I think he I think he actually says at one point, "You don't need me to be proud of you. I love you anyway." Yeah. Which was kind of as a kid. Yeah, you want to be proud of your parents? That's totally untrue. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> you really it doesn't don't care mean you base love on on that, but you totally want to be proud of your parents. Oh yeah. You totally want to be proud of your parents, but I mean, like you. You want to love them, unregard, un, you know, regardless whether you you are proud of them or not. In a lot of cases, but I think that does factor into a lot of, you know, if you would love your parents or not, if you were semi proud of them. I mean, like if you're not proud of your parents, you're like, you might love them on paper, but like, do you really actually, you know, like, approve of what they're doing? I mean, like that might cloud. Well, lots your- of people love people who they they don't approve of what they're doing, but but I thought it, I thought it would. It, the line didn't ring true. No, no, so, no. The, just, that, just that, that particular, yeah, no. That that's a very undeveloped thread. So, so for whatever reason, Max Lord knows 
about the Dreamstone, knows that it's got that, power. That it exists. That it exists. He's been chasing it for years. Diana finds this out because she goes to his office to get it back because Kristen Wiig is so, so desiring of love. And this is where I think if you had, had taken Diana's 12 minutes and pursed it up and given Kristen Wiig a backstory in which she wasn't loved, in which she wasn't wanted, this whole need to be loved so much that she allows Max Lord to take from the Smithsonian mm-hmm. a a um, an object that the FBI gave them to research. Yeah, because I mean, like at a certain point here, you have to rationalize that no amount of love or no amount of affection is going to make you be like, oh yeah, I'll no, just no, no, let no. you take oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, especially in the case that this is a person you've known for what, a day, twenty four hours at yeah. best, maybe. Yeah. You know, like, no, 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 that, but I can't give that to you. The, this is something, this is this belongs to the FBI. Yeah, it's Which not she mine. goes about saying, and, but she still just kind of just lets it go over this affection. I really, I, now that you're saying it even more so, I really do agree with you that, like, some backstory under- on that would yeah, have made Yeah, if you understood how, how much she needed love and... and um, affection, affection or recognition of any sort yeah. of level here. If like. you understood that on a deeper basis, would you understand her decision to do that more? Because to me, that, that decision ran, rang untrue. And mostly because, again, like you only see... Like, he's, a, he's, he's slimy and pretty transparent about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very transparent from him at the end of the day. But, and I agree with Kristen with... You know, like, they show, like, maybe a few minutes of it with Kristen Wiig at the very beginning of it, but, like... Of her tripping carrying a box. Well, she can't she, balance in shoes. Well, she can't balance in heels, but she trips and she her briefcase opens up and all these papers fly out and everyone kind of ignores right her. her. And then even the person that apparently hired her the week before is, like... Doesn't recognize Doesn't her. recognize who she is at all, yeah. which is, again, very transparently weird because, like... You just hired this person. Now you, you know, like she's such a nothing. The, the message is she's such a nothing that you wouldn't remember her even if you had met her before. Now I think if they spend another like five or ten minutes, really kind of just digging that in as far as like this is a person that's never been recognized at all. I think you could have gotten that message across better, maybe without having to do maybe the backstory. But I agree that the backstory probably would have been a lot more helpful here at that point. I just think, yeah. Yeah, because you because the idea that she she allows him to walk away with it, mm-hmm. you know, and and then when Diana finds out he has it, she goes to get it back from him, and it's the stone itself is gone, but the the cuff that t- kept it all together, which again is about the size of a bracelet, yeah, is, is there still, is still there, and it has on the inside of it something written in the language of the gods. So there is an element here that I'm actually kind of pissed about because it's another Chekhov's gun, gun element here. Is that... I thought we might meet a god. Again, that was my thinking here too. Again, Chekhov's I gun. was excited. And, and again, there, here's my problem here. was that like, wait a second, you introduce this and you're not doing anything with it? What do you mean you're not doing anything with it? Why are you not... Why is this not like a reference point? Why are you not... Why is this not being brought up at all for any reason? Like, so we know the we, gods cast magic on it, but but okay, so it's a it's a tool of the gods. It's a tool of what god? Well, not well, not even so much that is that you do, I guess, kind of eventually figure out which god it's a. Oh no, she she yeah, she, you yeah, eventually figure does. out what god it is, but like you kind of expect to either see the god or kind of rationalize. Okay, well, what what did the gods do this for, or 
or or or this particular god, this trickster or, or joker, jokerish god. You know, what is he? What did he leave this behind for? You don't ever get to learn that element at all, and you never even in, and that entire element is completely dropped after after it's even brought up. Like it's never, you know, we I, never we take always... the breaks. We never take the bracelet back, and we never study it more. Further, any further at all? Well, and she doesn't it, want to even touch it. Yeah, and it's a complete notion that's just like completely falls through the wayside, especially. Well, uh, I, I sat there when when it was introduced. I went, "Oh, good, we're gonna go more god stuff." Yeah, we're actually gonna meet Loki. We're because it seems like a Loki. Sort it seems of like thing. a Loki sort of guy. I'm okay, you know, like, hey, I'm okay with seeing, like, more God stuff, and I because that's a big element in Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, I, I was excited by that. I thought, I thought okay, now, because by then, we're already an hour into the movie. Mm-hmm. More than. Oh, yeah, and then the fact that we don't, I'm just kind of like... I mean, we don't get into what Max Lord is trying to do with this thing until an hour into the movie. Much... Uh, uh, so I mean, like at, at a certain point here, like that, can, that it actually has power that he that, can that it actually has it. power that, that he's actually an doing anything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like you know, like you think you, you eventually kind of figure out, like, oh, it is kind of like a monkey's paw sort of thing here. Yeah. Once they yeah. they have to say it, they literally say, oh, it's like a monkey's paw. Yeah, you know, and you're like, wow, oh, could, got you, it. could you could, could you could you telegraph that in further? Yeah, could you not, you know, like you know, thank you for the expedition dump. Um, yeah. It, 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 well, and, and I, I will tell you that that part felt felt a little bit like you were talking down to the audience. Oh yeah, yeah. Just me, but so, that's how I. I mean, like what you could have done there is you could have done, done kind of a roundabout way of saying it here, like you know, like you could have, you know, you could have. It's like uh, it's like that one monkeys thing. What what monkeys thing? Well, in that it's, movie, it, you could have referenced. It, it's the a movie. story. It's an old story. Like you you make a wish, but it doesn't. You don't get the version that you want you don't re- reference it outright but you make allusions to it Wait, instead of yeah. just saying outright it out saying loud it. Yeah. yeah um i'm gonna make a comment here and i think this is trivial on a certain level but where's her sword and shield oh oh that's where, interesting. where is wonder woman's well, sword she gets and shield? wings um later I, I i wish that was handled better too but i mean like oh yeah no because it's because it's it's a literal non-factor at a certain point here in, especially even in that part she of the movie. Fly. She can fly without them. She yeah. doesn't really so need it. She uses them as a shield. And then it, she dumps them. And then she just drops them <laughs> shortly there afterwards. But, I mean, but we're, we're jumping way ahead we, of ourselves. We are jumping. So, yeah. so you know, Max, Max Lord's whole thing is that he sells oil, that he writes to oil. And, um, and so who has more oil than Egypt in the 80s? Not a true thing. You would have gone to Saudi Arabia, but fine. Yeah. He goes to Egypt because I think because it's easy to pop the pyramids in there. I've been to the pyramids at Giza. So also, again, it's on a, good, a camel. Good visual reference, it's, I think. Yeah, it, and and so my thing was it was placed in Egypt specifically so you could have the the pyramids at Giza reference. Yeah. Um, because you created this fake emir and all these mm-hmm. things that didn't exist. So. Um, so we, so we kind of got to talk about what Max Lord does with the rock, though, with the Dreamstone. What's, what's called the Dreamstone here. So yeah. what Maxwell Lord does here is that he's actually given it quite a bit of thought here. That He's been looking for it for years. Yeah. So, we, so again, he's given it quite a bit of thought as far as how what he wants it to do at the end of the day. And the, what he wants it to do at the end of the day is to make it, you know, to make, to become the Dreamstone for him to be able to grant the wishes. Which eventually later gives him the ability to decide. So the green, the dreamstone, literally, 
he be, he wishes to become the dreamstone and, and it literally dissolves into, into him now part of the dreamstone here as well is that it's meant to this at one point was supposed to be a nod to a character called the sandman so sandman is a dc character that's the god of dreams uh, which is kind of what you know which kind of makes sense you know why it's called the dreamstone and it grants your wishes or your dreams um, and then when he when Maxwell Lord absorbs it, it like it turns into sand, sand all around you. So he's, he was, that was an illusion meant to be for that here. Okay. Um, but so much as that now Maxwell Lord can actually grant the wishes, but he also decides he, he what the what the punishment you. is. Yeah. But you make the wish without knowing that you're actually wishing it. Well, no, you no, you, he asks you to make a wish. He he outright asks you to make the wish, mm. but you don't know what the price for the that you're paying is. No, you never do. So so when you're talking about equivalencies, he doesn't explain that part, and to me that's really deceptive. It, it is like if you came up to me and said, "I'll grant you your wish, but it's going to cost you something." Oh, no, he no, doesn't no. even say it's going to cost you something. I would want to know. I I my my you know response would be, "Well, what is it going to cost me?" But he doesn't even tell them that there's going to be a cost, and he has to make the wishes. Well, he doesn't even tell them that you're actually doing that you're actually doing a wish at all. He literally holds your hand. It's like, what, what is it that you wish, wish for? for? You know, and everyone's kind of saying it kind of like as an abstract sort of like, well, what if sort of thing, yeah. without actually realizing that he's actually doing that he's actually granting. He's actually granting. Them. And 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 the spiteful part of him comes out pretty early too, because the guy who chews him out in his office mm -hmm. for being a thief and and a failure. Um, is the first person he goes and sees. Yeah, and, he, and and again, it's the literal trick of like, don't you wish for me to be successful? It's like, of course I wish for you to be to be successful because you're successful. I'm successful. Great. So now I'm going to take your entire company and all your and all your all your assets here, like and all you know stuff. He's like, the hell you are. What the hell are you talking about? You know, sort of thing. And literally, then the next moment, he's down in the the lobby in the lobby, and again. The US, US, US Marshals. One of the, with U.S. Marshals. And again, one of those U.S. Marshals, the robber in the very beginning of the movie. Which, because again, I saw him, because again, you see him and he's like, isn't that the guy that robbed the jewelry store in the very beginning of the movie? That's cute. That, that's the same guy. I didn't guy. Even catch that. Yeah, it's the same guy. And then like you look around and you're like, okay, you like, Cheap what? budget. Yeah. Well, Again, if you're or meant to be an unfor yeah. if you're meant to be an unforgettable character here, then like you can be reused. Yeah. Up to a certain session. Um, also, um, I figured out who I would have preferred Maxwell Lord to be played by. Oh. John C. Riley. That would be good. Because I think because again, like. I would have liked to have seen him played by somebody who could give it a little bit more menace. Because no, I, 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 and again, I, I think John C. Riley is not known for being menacing. Again, if we're gonna go back to this entire notion of like people who don't normally act in these particular roles. I would love to see John C. Riley in a superhero movie just because I think he's a funny actor at the end of the day. And I think you could have given off that kind of like that porch love that thinks he's a rich guy, but he's not really a rich guy. And so like he, he's trying I mean, he's, to he's get better. He's definitely not Wolf of Wall Street. No. And and I would have liked to have seen, um, you know. Somebody a little less polished. I, I would have liked to see somebody a little less polished that's trying to look super polished. Versus, I would have rather seen Gordon Gecko actually. Yeah, but then I think the illusion is too high there. Too high. So because because he's he just sort of like until the very end he hasn't really decided if he wants to be evil. He just wants 
Well, and so this is my other thing that comes up too is that he is. I kind of understand the beginning where he's going to Egypt to get to, um, to get the oil to try to get the oil to get more, to amass more money and power at the end of the day. But at a certain point here, like it quickly turns to this notion that like I have to keep granting wishes. I have to keep granting wishes. You know, and because I, re- I because I become more powerful with each each yeah, wish. I become more powerful. Well, not so much that I be. I, well, or I create more chaos. I don't. But again, I don't even think that was the initial intention here. I think what's kind of end up ends up happening is that I keep granting more wishes and I keep granting more wishes. So much as that, like the stone is is making him do that now, and or at least that's what I got from the plot. There's like okay. something in him is trying to I, force him to do. I didn't. To do but it you're more. right because otherwise the wishes are for the people and not for him. The one guy wishes for, I wish I had a farm. And so he ends up with a farm right outside his apartment building. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the cows are, are munching by the fountain. Um, and and so there's all sorts there's all sorts of butterfly effect things going on here. Mm-hmm. But he goes, so he goes to Egypt and he talks to an emir and um, he says, well, you know, what is your deepest wish? Oh, I wish all my lands were restored. And he says, okay, so then I'm going to take all your oil. And he says, oh, I just already sold my oil to Saudi Arabia. They never do explain how he gets the oil from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. That's never explained. But what ends up happening is that that uh, Wonder Woman and, and uh, Captain Trevor mm-hmm. um, go to... What I or believe trying to it, chase, you're trying to chase well, after but, them. But I believe where they went was the Smithsonian air and space which is out by the airport there are two smithsonian uh air and space and she works from the smithsonian museum so i think that they're at the air and space out by out by the airport there's one out by by dulles Mm -hmm. and um and they take a jet okay but okay this so like doesn't work for me because he knows nothing about modern aircraft he knows nothing about electronic systems he knows nothing about how to fly this plane it, nothing. No, absolutely nothing. And yet somehow he gets into the cockpit and starts clicking buttons. He's like, uh, this. Because again, keep in mind, 1925 airplanes versus not 1984 even, Not even 1925. Like, it were, the last time he flew an airplane was in World War One. One, Yeah. Again, we're getting 1920s, right? Eight, 18. 1918, oh. 1919. Okay, my apologies. So, so he's you're literally talking about he hasn't flown a plane in 60 years. And planes have changed a little bit in 60 years. You've got all these computer systems. Avionics. You all know, these different like things. And and wing flaps. Landing gear. Like wing flaps didn't even exist. Or, I, I and, still, and landing gear. And they totally, so they they show him taking off and he manages to take off. She figures out that there's radar. That seemed like, like oh, that's a that's a script. Oops, we need to correct that. And she is it's suddenly able to make the plane invisible. Because 60 years ago, her father showed her how to make a coffee cup invisible. Well, I, she 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 rationalized that, like, because she's kind of the daughter of, of Zeus at the end of the day. Or Ares, again, I don't... I, which, which, yeah. I don't right. quite remember which immediately. I'm sure somebody... Daughter of a god. Daughter of a god. That they hid the mascara and that she rationalized that... She might be able to do it as well because she's part of that god. Part of, well, I mean, she talks about having having hidden a coffee cup once, but yeah. then she couldn't find it. But she mentioned that offhand at yeah. that particular moment. If they mentioned it earlier one time, where it was like, you know, again, perfect example here. So, what like, are your powers? Well, one of my powers. I, one time, I made a coffee no, cup. Even here. better. 
even better is that she that when Steve wakes up in bed, Deanna's kind of in the you know kind of in kind of the kitchen sort of area, trying to mess around with a coffee cup. You know, it's like what are you doing? Oh, I was waiting for you to get up. No, you were staring very intently at that coffee cup. Like, yeah, what's up? It's like oh. Here's this backstory of me trying to hide a coffee cup. Yeah. And then when you get to the airplane here, it's like, you know, again, it's like, oh, that's right, radar. Wait, wait, let me try this. What are you going to try? Well, I'm going to try to hide it here. You Make said it you, you said you couldn't do that. It's like, okay, I did it once, but I haven't done it again. Then it becomes like, again, then that yeah. becomes a callback that you feel rewarded for it, remembering. It feels like somebody went, oh, there's a script here. They'd see this on radar. I think there was also a reshoot at one point too. Okay, that was, so that was added footage. I think that I think there was some. It felt. It felt. It felt. It felt like somebody went, "Oh, this doesn't quite work," but the whole thing doesn't quite work. Well, I think. I think it was somebody saying, "Hey, that invisible jet thing. We should probably make a reference to that." Down with that. So yeah. So so um so so as the plane's taking off, they're able to make it disappear. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm surprised it has gas in it, in all honesty. Well, okay, so so that's amongst the things that didn't work for me. If it's sitting at the Smithsonian, it probably doesn't have enough gas to get you to Egypt. Probably also doesn't have the weaponry. Or I've flown that. I've flown from New York to Egypt, and it's it's like a a 11 hour flight. Yeah, it's not a short flight. Yeah, it's not a short flight. So um, and that's a plane that won't be able to do that, regardless. Much less have like a two seater next to each other and not have why would you have a two-seater and not have anything behind you you might as well just streamline it and have it you know first in front person in back logistically let's just agree okay yeah it, it happens it doesn't work suspend suspend all all belief oh, oh yes and and he lands it it isn't even that he gets it to take off okay he's gotten planes to take off before you can probably figure that out probably not but okay let's say he does how in the does he figure out how to land it Mm-hmm. In Cairo. In Cairo, where do you land it? Well, how does he even know how to navigate to Cairo? In the dark, it's night. And again, I mean, like, and again, like you said, you're flying it's not a towards short the flight. sun, so it's probably you know light by the time he lands. But um, and more than light, it actually probably midday. But there are thermals on that airport because it's hot. Um, it's at the edge of the Sahara Desert, so you know just just so we're keeping real. Mm-hmm. How does he know to navigate over the Atlantic? So, so for lots of reasons, because he doesn't know how to use a computer. Um, yeah, it didn't work for me. But let's suspend disbelief and say, okay, that's that's what happens. So, so she ends up seeing Max. They buy the car from the taxi guy, and um, for not a lot of money either. And yeah, you just a poor country. So. Um, so they buy the, the car from the taxi guy and they chase down Max Lord, who has the security forces of the Emir. That's what he took from the Emir. So he left the Emir without any security forces and the Emir has, has had his land restored to him. But unfortunately, that means that all the walls were restored and people are going without water. Yeah. And Bonkers trying to get back to what would have been their original home as well. Yeah, because now there's an impenetrable wall. And um, and it's cut off rivers and and all sorts of things. There are yep. all sorts of butterfly effect stuff. Um, they are in the desert in the in the Sahara Desert with um, tanks. 
So the emir's forces Ar- armor, have tanks. Ar- not well, tanks. Ar- I would say like armored carriers, maybe okay, armored, or armored carriers vehicles. with 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 missile launchers. Yeah, or yeah, I surface to air missile yeah. launchers. Well, it's a it's a dangerous country after all. We can nod. Yeah, and and none of the solar panels I saw when I was there. Um, the desert is full of solar panels, which, it, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally, um, totally makes sense. But uh, and and this, this is where she learns that she's slowly losing her powers, and that mm-hmm. that's the price she has paid for the wish that she in, inadvertently made. Yeah. Um, to have Steve back, so um, you learn there. You don't. Um, she calls, so she gets. They they have the the obligatory battle. Um, Max Lord gets away, but everybody lives because it's Wonder Woman and everybody has to live. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, the battle scenes, I thought because um, you have, I realize you have to have them. But they serve no narrative purpose. They serve no narrative purpose. They don't move the story along at all. They're just battle scenes, and that's true of all of them. Mm. Yeah. Pretty much. So... Um, it doesn't feel like a good reason to have this battle scene here. And, you know, it's very much one of these cases where, like, you didn't need to... New- you have the invisible jet. You could have very easily gone to the airport and gotten another plane... Gotten on a plane pretty quickly here at the end of the day. I think, that, again, that element there is just to get the invisible jet. But again, I mean, like, you go to this remote place, you know, like... How did you know he was even there? Actually, she figures that out. Because there's a... Because you can... Like, because they break into his office and they see a... They don't even break into his office. They just walk in. They just walk into his office. They see a boarding pass in there. Yeah, they see a boarding pass for... Which you would think he would have the boarding pass with him. Exactly. And she she knows what he's going for. She figures Mm -hmm. it out. So so then she calls Barbara um, from, from Cairo... And says, did you find out any of the history of the stone? And Barbara says, yeah, I, I can find references to it in all these different locations. And she starts listing them off. Um, I find these references to them. Um, and, and you know, the last person who was known to have had it is um, uh, Regulus, Roman gladiator, Roman mm-hmm. emperor. Um and uh, and there's a guy in L.A., a, sh- a Mayan shaman, mm-hmm. who says he knows something about the stone. Yeah. So Diana quickly figures out that all the places she listed as having some sort of reference to the stone were all civilizations that collapsed. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's when she really realizes what the stone has, is capable of and has done in the past. Mm-hmm. And so she says, okay, well, I'll see you in L.A. So there's no explanation of how they get from Cairo to L.A. Invisible jet. He can fly. He's an amazing pilot. They got free free gas, whatever. Um, it's a little bizarre. But in, 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 in their flying conversation on the way to Cairo is a cute little scene in which he, he, she says, well, I, you know, planes always amaze me. I don't understand how they work. And he says, no, once you start flying, it's actually very easy because you just let the wind catch you and and take you and you... He, when you go from there, yeah. He I makes mean. it sound very zen. And so, anyway, they end up in, in L.A. And, of course, with all her things, she can read Mayan glyphs. Now, you and I have been to the Mayan world several times. Yeah. 
on on several ruins. I I am calling BS on this book. Well, the book is printed. Come on, like when did the book get printed? All in Mayan glyphs. It's it, even if the book looks old, it's it's a printed book, bound in a modern style. With Mayan glyphs everywhere. With Mayan, no, all all written, totally all, written, to, all totally written in Mayan, and no yellowing on any of the paper. Well, and and and, and the last my really well known Mayan civilization was was. 600 800 I think you go I think you go all the well all the way to 980 and um, and and it, it, by the time the the Spanish arrived in in the Americas it was it was pretty much gone mm-hmm. they they pretty much died due to ecological crisis they we saw the size of their cities oh yeah and and uh, they basically overpopulated and, and destroyed things so um, but he says, you know, she reads the book, and he says that he was told by his his grandfather that the stone was buried, and was never was the stone was was a disaster and was buried and was never to be resurrected, and never to be um, dug out, mm-hmm. and um, and she reads in the Mayan text um, about uh, about what the stone does. Yeah. And and she figures out from something that Max Lord said that he because he tells her I am the stone, and so she knows where he's going because she's telepathic I guess, it's unlisted talent. She figures out that he's going next to the White House. Uh, no, it, what happens first there is that she they get back home. To, and, home is DC. Home home to DC. Relatively quickly too. Again, I mean, like someday you, you, you have know, no, it, no sense of passing of time. No, and then that's probably one of those things that annoyed me because like it felt like maybe a day or two. Yeah, it felt like maybe like at most a week passed, but like things, if you rationalize it, probably took the better part of a couple of like maybe two weeks to go through it. Maybe. Yeah. Um, especially if the notion here is that you're trying to introduce. You know, Steve Trevor to modern society would have felt long. It was longer. Would yeah. have been nicer. Well, because um, they go to the Smithsonian Air and Space mm-hmm. in D.C. Yeah. And he gets to see a rocket ship. And he's just amazed by he it. He is amazed, yeah. Um, no, I mean, so eventually, like, they get back to D.C. And, you know, they're trying to get that conversation. This is where they also kind of introduce the wings as well. Oh, um, and they talk to Barbara. They talk to Barbara, and Barbara's like, no, I'm not... I'm not. I'm yeah. not. I'm not. I'm not giving this. But meanwhile, Barbara has also become more, far more aggressive, and and she demeaning. has figured out what what she can do. She's she now understands she has Diana's strength. Yeah, you. I think it also at this point here as well. She's also kind of put one, two, and two together here and been like, oh, you're that person everyone keeps talking about. Yeah. That's you know, you're Wonder Woman. Um, yeah. Also, also an interesting notion here for one for um, Barbara here as well is that. If you notice throughout, as as the movie goes on, she starts wearing more and more animal prints and furs oh, and yes, stuff like and, that. Oh, yes, and, and boots. And boots and high heels. Yeah. Um, that That is somewhat of a reference um, to the first um, cheetah, which was uh, Priscilla Rich, I believe is the name. Yeah, Priscilla Rich, who was another individual who also enjoyed wearing furs and uh, she became cheetah by wearing a magical cheetah costume so i find that kind of interesting in that particular point 
So yeah, so Maxwell, so Max Lord at this point here is trying to grant wishes to any and everybody of pure power in order to, I guess, amass more power. He he wants he wants the president's power. Well, he he grants a number of wishes inside his office, Porsches, all sorts of of things that are opulent. Yeah. And then he figures out he wants the ultimate authority. But I don't even know how he gets to that rationale at the end of the day here. Like, I don't understand why. Well, I think you're right. I think the, I think the, the the stone must, of sorts, have that that. You need to keep granting wishes, sort of element, and you need to keep granting bigger and bigger wishes. Like, it would have been nice. It's to, sort of the Midas touch sort of thing. It w- it would have been nice that, while they were talking with the Mayan with the Mayan shaman guy, that like. They kept saying, you know, it's like, well, once the stone makes a wish, it kind of gets the taste of blood. It wants more. It wants to create more wishes, and it'll do anything it'll it can. It'll possess you. It'll, well, it'll do anything it can to keep granting more and more wishes, and that, you know... Because like he they, does seem kind of possessed, you're right. Yeah, and, and like it's clearly, like, the fact of making these wishes are also kind of ruining his body, almost, because, like, you start seeing him get, like blood in his eyes and blood dripping out of his nose and ears at yeah. one point like yeah. clearly the stone is having a much it's taking it's, his it's health. taking it's taking a toll on him um well and that's but it's never and, explained at all well and see and, and i figured that was was when he made his wish he didn't know what price he was paying and the price he was paying was his health yeah which which would make perfect sense at the end of the day here um i, I really do think that if they had this element here were like I keep making more wishes. I gotta keep making bigger wishes. You know, like I got. I gotta get more and more people making wishes. I gotta, gotta make. Gotta be keep people making more and more wishes. Maybe that's what's going to fix my health. Maybe. Well, I, th- I think he want. I think he needed other people making wishes so that he could get his health. Yeah. Was was the inference I got. And, and eventually, I think that and, is. And, and it is what it starts happening. Yeah, and so that and that's eventually what kind of happens here. And but I think he, he so he goes to the president, and he yeah. gets in. Yeah, because he had somebody wish. Don't you wish I I could see the president? It's like yeah, says, I wish yeah, you could see you too. Know. Yeah, it's like thank goodness. Wait, hold on. Did you make a wish? It's like yeah, just yesterday I got a Porsche. What's everyone up with Porsches? I found that to be kind of a funny little Porsche. Little nod. Porsche, Porsche was a, a thing of of the eighties. It yes. was very much a thing of the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, I absolutely understand the, the thing of the eighties here. Like. I, I like that little nod at the end of the day. Like yeah. I do, I do kind of appreciate again going back to the '80s sort of yeah. nod, nods at the yeah. end of the day. Um, so yeah, he goes and see, gets to see an audience with the president, which is not an easy feat typically. But he's able to walk right in. Just walks right in, and everyone's just kind of you know, and the president's just like, "Yeah, I give all my power to you." And everyone kind of looks around and is like, "Um, Twenty Fifth Amendment. Who wants to start that shit right now?" Every, yeah, everybody's everyone's like, very what? much. Everyone's, he, but he, he, what he wishes for mm-hmm. is more nuclear warheads. Yeah, or I, I wish I had more nuclear warheads in power. I mean, that would stop. That would stop you the, know, Russians. the Russians. You know, because I've so. all these problems. I've got problems in Egypt, which of course is this guy starting it, mm-hmm. and the Russians have problems with Egypt because that's everybody's source of oil. Yeah, and 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 oil. You know, we we had just undergone gas embargoes during the seventies, in which we had gas rationing. And you could only buy gas if you had an even number car on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and if you had an odd number car Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, you know, yeah, there was Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and um, and we had gas rationing and and speed limits were dropped to fifty five miles an hour um, because that was a, a, a speed at which everybody's car was more fuel efficient, and so during the eighties, 
oil embargoes, oil control was huge. And so it would have started. It, there's not much context given there. No, yeah, but it would have been what started, what could have very well started wars and stuff With like Russia that. and everything else. So, mm-hmm. so just to give that some... Some context. Yeah. So, yeah, so, but eventually what ends up happening here is that Maxwell Lord Welles in the presidential office, they just have to be showing off this new fancy-fangled satellite technology that can broadcast and take over any screen out there. But it isn't just that it takes over screen, it spreads particulates mm-hmm. that touch people. That can touch, that can touch Because you. Max has to be touching you when you make your wish. Yeah. Ah! So. so he so Max figures out that 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 will qualify as touch, or he hopes it'll qualify as touch. Yeah, yeah. and he's going to take a, a helicopter to go to get there. And get there. who who gets to the White House? But both Diana and Steve and Cheetah, or eventually Barbara. Barbara eventually, yeah. Now, I don't understand how Barbara gets in at the end of the day. I find that part to be odd. I don't know why Steve is literally I mean, Diana, Diana and Steve get in because Carl's been trying to pick up Diana for a while. Yeah. And she calls, she calls Carl and arranges for a private tour because she wants to see some artifact. Yeah. But I don't know why Steve's there with her outside of, like, plot reasons. It's, it's you know, all yeah. like you would think that like you know okay well let me stay here and let me follow the news and I'll get you know and so I can tell you what's kind of happening or like no it'd be too much danger for you to be here which literally happens yeah you know so I mean like don't quite understand him being there necessarily does uh, move the plot along but it does kind of I guess it moves they the plot. have another one of those long the battles in, in you know there are three major battle scenes and they all seem long four they seem long and they seem oddly inefficient. Yeah. Like, like it kind of understand. I mean, on a, at a certain level, if we go back to like the one of the first fight scenes that that they have there, like Wonder Woman is swinging around from place to place. You know, she's punching these two guys and then coming back over to these two guys and dealing with them and then jumping back around over here. It's like. Aren't you Wonder Woman? Can't you just kind of like... But she won't kill him, so... No, I'm not saying that she kills him necessarily, but you would think that like... You She'd would knock do, him out. You would knock him out or do something about them and then move on to the next one. It's very he's inefficient. Al- he's always sort of helping her and, and doing... No, no, certain, Steve Trevor, yeah. yes. Now, he is helping her and everything, and I, I can appreciate that if you're underpowered for what you were beforehand, like, it would take longer maybe to do stuff. Yeah. Um... So I appreciate. So I do kind of appreciate that. At the end of the day, it's just that her attacks are very inefficient for what she's doing. You would think that somebody who is supposed to be this Amazonian, you know, where like where when they were doing stuff, they you know, if, again, you go back to the first Wonder Woman movie, yeah, like one knock and you know one punch, and those those Nazis were those guys, those Germans were out. Oh, yeah, like they were there was little issue with taking people out. Yeah. And stuff, and even underpowered. I mean, like you would think that she'd still go through all the same motions and be efficient about it, and maybe just spend a little more time on one individual at a time rather than well, the, jumping around from person to person. So to the, person. the one, the one plot thing that, that this does move forward is that both Max and um, and Cheetah 
mm-hmm. um, figure out what what the cost to Wonder Woman is and what her wish was. Yeah, they both do sort of recognize that, and and they both try to manipulate that. They both do. Yeah. So 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 they get down at the White House. Max escapes. Cheetah escapes. Cheetah willingly goes along with him. Goes with him. Goes with him in the helicopter. And when she gets in the helicopter, he, he looks like he's. I actually liked how that was played because he looks like he's not really sure what her what she's there for. What she's there for. And um and it isn't until she kind of seductively asks, "May I join you?" Yeah, may I join you? He's like. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Okay. Um, where this goes. But at first, he's a little. He's he, he doesn't go. Oh, thank goodness you're here. You'll save me. You'll protect mm-hmm. me. Instead, he's a little. And and I and I liked that reaction. So I thought that was I thought that was well played. Mm-hmm. So they go back to. So Steve and Diana go back to Diana's place. He sees she's got a whole room of monitors. And oh they, no 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 not at that point. That's be, that's before going that's to the. That's before that. Okay. That's all. That, yeah, that's all before that because that's where they also introduce the wings. She tells the story of. Uh, but you don't really Artemisia. see that they're wings. You well, see that there's something. You see that there's something, but you get like a flashback to it. Yeah, you get a flashback um, to Asteria. Yeah, and so it's them leaving the White House here, as they're walking kind of through DC, and they see how crazy DC has gotten um, because of all these wishes. chaos everywhere and people are beating people up. Mm-hmm. That, you know, like, that this is where Diana's like, okay, I, I renounce my wish, you know, sort of aspect of it. He tells, he, he, he tells her, you know what has to happen here. There's a big, beautiful world out there. You know, you need to be in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really here. And, and at one point he tells her, I, you know, you know what you have to do and, and really I'm already gone. Yeah. And they have one last kiss, and she and they and you you don't see him again. No, in fact, actually, the voice that you hear that calls out to her is actually the original voice, which is okay. As a tangent here, like we never learn who this other guy is at all. Who they've just kind of hijacked his body. Yeah. And they make like, and there's no sort of like discussion ever at all about like. What happened to what him? What happened to him? It's or not like, like heaven can wait where there's an explanation for... Yeah, I mean, like you literally just kidnapped this guy's body for the better part of a week. And she sees him as he used to look. Yeah. She says, when I look at you, all I see is the original you. Yeah. But when he's first introduced and, and looking for her... It's, this, it's the it, other guy. It's the other guy. And you know that that's going to come back again, too. Come on. We all know that that's a plot device that's going to come back. Hopefully. Well, there, there, there was a logic at one point here that this was supposed to be the guy. He that does to, come back. He does, and this guy at one point was in. I think there was discussion about this guy potentially being Hal Jordan, which would have been the Green Latin at one point. And again, a lot of this would have made sense for because again, like you go back to the back to and say like he's some sort of engineer. Um, which might have explained why uh, Steve... Oh, but but they make it very clear when, when Steve is in his apartment when when he first comes back. This guy is narcissistic, has pictures of himself everywhere. That's not unlike how who Hal Jordan was at one point. Really? Because... And the guy has a very um, casual pop wardrobe. The 80s. Yeah, but it's the ultimate sort of pop. Yeah, wardrobe. yeah. Again, I mean, kind of at the end of the day, here, like they have a hard time putting together a decent outfit. The, the, a lot of people would have liked it to be Hal Jordan or some sort of a, a mod, uh, allusion to somebody else, maybe yeah. just so that way you could say like, 
oh, this wasn't just any character that's been interacting with Wonder Woman. This was a known character that was yeah. interacting with Wonder Woman here. Like, and you never, and, and I, sh- I should say, when they bring bring it back as a plot device, I was afraid they were going to bring it back as a love interest for her. And as much as it's hinted at, it isn't done. Thank goodness. Yeah. So, okay, I, I so, felt relieved as well. So, yeah, so Steve disappears, um, and Wonder Woman gets back all of her powers, and she sees her start quickly healing from the gunshot wounds that she's, got, that she's collected. Not a scar on her. And... She goes flying. And, and okay, now, okay, now, this is the problem I have. I, this is one of the things I had a problem with here. Okay. Is that she goes flying for what feels like the better part of a couple hours while all the shit is going down. All this shit is going down below her, mm-hmm. and she's ignoring it while she's experiencing what Steve told her was the zen-like experience of flying. She uses the lasso of truth to originally boomerang herself off of a a high rise and then she gets into clouds and she's able to use the lasso of truth to, to boomerang her off of other clouds. And then she kind of, she's kind of like a propeller and she, almost. And then she's kind of like, and, and she does the Superman pose several mm-hmm. times, the outright Superman pose with one, with the, with the left arm out straight and the right arm cocked up against her body. And, and she, and it is absolutely the Superman pose. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's just flying. At and one point, she's like on her back flying. She's on her front flying. She's all just kind of enjoying it. And then, like somehow or another, she realizes where you know she can hear and where where they are eventually. And then she goes back home, gets the armor. But they don't show her going back home and getting the armor. No, no, like she just suddenly shows up at where. And and let, I mean, let's talk about how dystopian where she shows up is. This this turns out to be where where Max is Max Lord is broadcasting from. Yeah. But it looks like Lord of the Rings. It's in a it's in a very secluded, heavily forced area. It's dark. A it's a mountain. It's a it's a random bunker somewhere. It like it looks very Lord of the Rings. It I, does. I don't know about Lord of the Rings. It looks very jungle esque. Um. Dark. It looked. It was dark. It was. It's, it's right. It's it's right alongside of a waterfront, which doesn't make any sense. There's a why would gorge. You, yeah, like why you wouldn't build a base here? You wouldn't. You wouldn't build some a secret secluded, bunker. You wouldn't. You wouldn't build a secret secluded kind of bunker here. It doesn't feel like it's on American soil, but it is. Yeah, that too, and, and also that it's relatively close. Because again, keep in mind they they get onto like Marine One. Which is a helicopter, which is not meant for long flights. It's right. really kind of meant for it, it's 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 somewhat of a glorified taxi to go from the White House to Andrews to to Andrews Air Force Base. So it's not like it has a lot of gas. So like you kind of suppose that this is still somewhere nearby. Like maybe this is Appalachian, Pen- Pennsylvania, yeah. Virginia, maybe Pennsylvania. like you know somewhere somewhere not too far away. Yeah. Because in because at the end of the movie they get back to DC really goddamn effing quick. Yeah. Um, but again, like we never really establish where Maxwell Lord's business is at. Like I always kind of assumed it was in like it's yeah. obviously outside of DC, but still Maryland, maybe Maryland, Virgi- West Virginia, mm-hmm. maybe. Like it's still very easy to get there. Yeah. You know, it's still very it's still very easy to say like. Get in a taxi cab or something and drive for a couple hour for a couple Not hours even to a get couple there. Hours, yeah. 
you know, maybe two or three hours, maybe yeah. a two or three hour drive, maybe. So yeah. it's, it's very easy to get to get to there is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, and then we get, you know, so, and then Wonder Woman just kind of appears in this armor. Without any real expan- explanation, she is wearing Asteria's armor. Yeah. She's kind of there, just like plopping Asteria's armor with no, because again, I mean, like you would, you, again, if you knew a fight that you were getting into, you might get more armor knowing that it was going to be a bigger deal versus if you didn't know what you were getting, you know, if you, if you didn't have the time to, and you were just kind of getting there thinking like, well, okay, I got all my stuff. I, I, you know, I know what I'm doing when I get there and not needing it. Like, I really do think the armor was just to say like, we need, we need Wonder Woman to look different. We can't just keep, we can't just make subtle changes. We got, we got to be, we got to have her wearing something. We got to have her. It is a total body armor. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It's and absolutely. she doesn't, and and how they show her using is she, they show her repeatedly pulling the wings all the way around her mm-hmm. to, to shelter her like a shield as Cheetah goes at her. Oh, well, then, then we get the introduction to Cheetah. Yeah. So, you know, so Barbara at this point has said like, you know, like, I don't want to be a normal person anymore. I want to be she has asked the Max apex to make predator. Her, yeah. I want to be the apex predator. Okay. I'm I'm going to call BS on whatever CGI that they've used to do this here, and it's a one or two her steps. Her body is fur. It's all no. Okay, her, this is one to two steps above cats. <laughs> I actually thought about cats when I saw it. Now the face doesn't look feminine. Doesn't look like feline at all. No, although the, it does have stripes on it. It does have stripes on it, and, and but like. The faces feel very recognizable as being Kristen Wiig at the end of the day, yeah. not like wearing cats. Like you could tell, like it was Judy Dance, but clearly it was a cat Judy Dance. Dance, yeah. like there's no, fem- you know, out, there's no feline sort of aspect to it at all. But like this, this thing wouldn't, you know, this this look at the end of the day wouldn't look weird in cats. It really wouldn't. I, I th- this was my biggest disappointment that. You didn't that like at no particular point did Cheetah look like Cheetah. It was this very kind of blonde Cheetah Cheetah esque fur sort of thing. Yeah, I was expecting something a little more golden with a lot more pronounced you know spots on it and yeah. sleek sort of thing. And this one was very hairy and like I really like. And one of the other real annoyances that I had for this as well was that. It's shot at night, which is always a bad time to shoot anything. Right. So everything gets darkened out at the end of the day. So you don't really get to see her properly at all. And that she doesn't look like a femme, femme fatale. She looks like she's just wearing a really hairy... She looks like cosplay. she's in cosplay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very bad. Very bad cosplay as well. Yeah. And and, 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 and this is, and she doesn't get the mug for the camera at all. Like, you know, like, I've become the apex predator now. And just have this kind of sultry, sort of like seductive, sort of walk, sort of thing, and then kind of her just kind of like brandishing claws all of a sudden, and then, then going at Wonder Woman. Like we never get that at all. Well, and, and it's where I wish I wish she she played it so straight up, and and um, without any nuance, and and it's where I wish we had some nuance. And you you mentioned the Princess Diaries. Well, what would this role have been if you had had Anne Hathaway in it? I think I, if you had had a, a, a more, a, a, I want to say for lack of a better word, a better actress. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could have. I mean, I, I will go down on record saying that any woman can look beautiful and could probably pull off a femme fatale look. 
given the right tools available to them at the end of the day. I do honestly believe that that's fully capable at the end of the day. It's not so much the look so much as so much as that the presentation at the end of the day. And I just don't think that this presentation of Kristen Wiig at the end of the day is what gave her the most high, most bang for your buck at, here at the end yeah. of the day. I do agree that if you had gotten somebody um, somebody else in this role... Now, now, also keep in mind, like they might, they've also somewhat casted this role based off of Gal Gadot as well, because again, right. you're not gonna you're not gonna get a person to to play against Gal Gadot, who's not also gonna be five foot nine, five foot ten in that ballpark. Because keep in mind that like the average height for women is probably gonna, and I'm five four to five six, five four to five six, right? Yeah. Now. If you want somebody to be able to look eye to eye with Gal Gadot at the end of the day, who's also wearing heels, right? You know, like and let's so let's assume that she's at six one point, feet tall. At one point, her boots are platform, which I thought was a cool, or her they're not even boots; they're they're the, these wedge platform thingies. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I, I, which I, which is a call out to the eighties as well. Well, now, now mind you though, like so I so I follow this one person on YouTube that is a not a fight choreographer, but she does stage fighting. Uh-huh. And so she goes through all the stuff about how like stage fighting works and how they yeah. when they shoot movies like how they're doing stuff and why it's interesting in here. And her big her big annoyance with superhero movies is that every single woman wears chunky wears these chunky wedge heels that are meant to make it look like boots that you're wearing flat on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And that and and obviously again because again when you look back Henry at King. Henry Cavill you look back at yeah. you know. Um, uh, ben Affleck here, they're both over six feet tall, and Gal Gadot is 5'9". So you want to have, you want to give an extra two or three inches so that way she stands of a similar stature to them at the end of the day, eye okay. to eye almost. Okay. And so, and especially, like, they're not going to change the entire costume in that particular case at this point here because they've, they've given the aspect that she is this tall, statuesque sort of person. So you kind of have to choose a person similarly tall and statuesque as well I, almost. I, and I just and, and and I, don't, I don't mean to imply that I think Kristen Wiig did a, a bad job because no, I, no, I, it, I think it, she it, she did a good she did a good job. I th- we think that there was other opportunities These for things. other other actresses that might have fit this better. Who might have given it a more nuanced more empathetic. I couldn't empathize with I, I still don't think that even if you put somebody else in the role, I don't think it would have gotten any more empathetic. I think that, that I think the empathetic part here is just an element Might have of gotten the story. more interesting. Possibly more interesting. And I also, again, like I'm, I'm also really kind of bummed out about this notion about the cheetah aspect here. Like I really would have wanted, like, she's got a tail. She doesn't use it. But. No, no. What I really wanted to have happen here was I really wanted to have. This goes back to Iron Man, where you have Iron Man at the very end of the first movie, Iron Man movie, where he fights, fights off against Iron Monger. Now, it's much better, you know, like, it's not too dissimilar here to Wonder Woman, where, like, they're supposed to be mirror opposites of one another. Yeah. And, like, but you get this very short fight between them, and it's very unsatisfying because you would have liked to have seen them had more scraps with each other or more you know, bits or batter, banters between them. And, like, and again, it would make more sense why Wonder Woman at the end of the day would go, we have to get the armor, get, you know, yeah. you know Aponia, uh, or uh, Artesia's armor, if she knew what she was getting into. Like, you know, if you know what you're getting into, yeah, you're going you're gonna to get more stuff. But if you don't know what you're getting into, and you assume everything... She, she knows that, that Barbara's growing in strength, though. So, it was, so what I, what I would And she knows that Barbara's not going to recant. 
So what I think though is that like if Bar, you know, but she knew she wasn't going to recant back when they were talking to the Mayans. So again, if yeah. Barbara had gone to Max Lord and gone to him at that point, he was like, "Look, she's trying to stop you, and I don't want, I don't, you know, I don't want her to stop you because I'm not going to give up my wish either here, because I don't want my wish to go away either." So. You could have had that. You, you could have. You could have had, had that in the in the uh, in the, the helicopter. No, no, no. You have that beforehand. So what you do is you have that before they go to the White House. Oh, okay. And Barbara's the one who kind of gets him to think, "Why are you dealing with these small timers here? You should go to the. You should get. You know, what's bigger? You know, you're going that's for a bigger. televangelist and you're going for these businessmen. You need to go for the president. And that's the and that's the reason why. You're right. I should go. You're right. That's going to be where I'm going to get more power from. And that's where you go to the president. And along the way here, she's like, you know, and he's like, well, how can I repay you? You know, and that's where you start talking about the wish element here. And that's where you first get the introduction of Cheetah in the White House. Because I think that, because I think that would make a lot more sense at the end of the day. That, it like, would. It would give it more explanation because, because Cheetah just sort of happens. happens. Yeah. And again, and again, it works better there because if you think about what Kristen Wiig is doing there, it's a lot of monologuing and talking yeah. there. Like if that was Cheetah at that particular point, and like you had you were able to see this feminine grace at the end of the day, like it would make a whole lot more sense. I think that when you get to the final when you get to the final battle between the two of them, that that's why Wonder Woman has to get the extra armor, and that's why she has to, so that way she's better prepared for Cheetah here now because you know that Cheetah's following along with. Ma- you know, well, and and, and, be, and because Cheetah has wished for, for to be more like Diana, she's mm-hmm. got Diana's powers. Yeah, um, she doesn't have a lasso of truth, but she's got Diana's powers. Yeah. So, so the the battle between them is fairly epic, and then shortly after the battle ends, you get this flash to the past of Max Lore, where you see his childhood. Well, not, not okay. Well, so, so, so okay. So, back to the future here, as far as the movie goes, like, so we get this. We get this really short, like, two-minute fight between the two of them. You get, like, a minute... You get, like, the first minute of Cheetah just, like, literally going to town on Diana. Diana's not... Diana's very much of the opinion here at this point. was like, well, I, I can't I just, kill you. I can't... I can't... You know, I'm, I'm not... I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna kill you. I'm not gonna hurt you. You know, this is not your fault. This is not who you are. And then eventually... Diana, Diana lets her beat on her for a while. Yeah. And then Diana just kind of gets to the point where he's like, okay, this, I is, know. this is enough. There's, but there's no logic or notion or there's, you know, Kristen, you know, you could have had Cheetah at this point, like, you know, like I've become so much better. I've become more stronger. Like I'm better than you now. I'm the, ape, I'm the, I'm, be- the, I'm, the, I'm yeah. the, you know, I'm the apex predator of everything, you know, and like, and there's nothing that's going to do to stop me here. And you're never going to be able to stop me because you can't give up your one wish as well. And then she realizes that like, oh, I have to make her give up her one wish. And that's me having to actually get serious and ditch the wings and actually do but she already gave up her one wish she gave up Steve yeah but again I mean but again it's Kristen Wiig's logic here that like you know because again like they all know what it is now and so Kristen Wiig kind of torturing Diana with that logic here could be enough to get her to that point to to stop her and then you get to the point where he's already gone you know yeah he's already gone you know you don't even need to say it you can almost just kind of feel it feel it almost from that point and then so again you get about a minute of Cheetah just going to town on Diana, and then finally Diana decides to get semi-serious. And again, I don't understand this notion of like, 
oh, let me get away and let me start swinging around because I have the lasso of truth. I was like, could you just keep it on the goddamn floor? You could have all these great fights where, like, let Chris wings. Well, not not by this point. Well, no, she's dropped. What, she what, drops what, the wings, and I don't understand why she just like unceremoniously drops the wings. I think because they're so badly damaged at that point that they're more of a hindrance then. Oh, okay. I also think it's also kind of metaphorical. It's like, okay, I'm not gonna. I'm not as now. I'm you know, now I'm yeah. now I'm gonna okay. actually fight you. You know, okay. sort of thing. But again, I mean, like, I think it would have been more interesting if that Cheetah was the one that was moving around everywhere, and Diana was having to react to her. Versus, like, both of them at that point are kind of, like, on ropes, just kind of, like, moving around and occasionally kind of, like, batting at on electrical lines. Yeah, like, this is is a chance in which I thought the fight could have been a lot more interesting. Seemed overlong. It seemed really short. Really? Okay, it's short in the aspect that it's only, like, a couple minutes long, but it's so drawn out that it's just so bad. Yeah. So, um, so then, so... The way Wonder Woman gets rid of Cheetah is she electrocutes him. Electrocutes her. In the water. She in apologizes water. first. I'm sorry to do this to you. Because she gives her the chance to recount. Recant. Yeah. And the deal is, and I don't know if we explained this, that in order, you can take back your wish and mm-hmm. then things go back. You just say, you have to say, I recant my wish. I recant my wish. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, now, mind you, Maxwell Lord has... But, but Cheetah refuses. Yeah. So Maxwell Lord is down in the bunker and he's reached out to everybody and here's the thing that was the nitpickiest thing of all to me here is that they turned CTR monitors into TVs. Yeah. For 1984, green and black monitors were a thing. You can't get color picture on those things, much less proper resolution to be able to portray anything. That was literally the... Oh, that is nitpicky. The, I, I, yeah, I get that that's nitpicky, but I mean, like... But he, he literally sits there and says, look into my eyes. Mm-hmm. And and he, he's figured out that these particles, because this is what the president explained to him, actually touch people. So he's telling them, just look into my eyes and make a wish. Well, one guy wishes, I wish he'd die. Yeah. And literally this woman... Passes over. It was a heart attack at that point. Yeah. Yeah, like... This is the weird aspect of this particular element because it's not as if anything goes back to normal. It's as if everything goes back to normal, but like all the this shit done. happened. Damage is done. Yeah, because people do do one by one start eventually recanting. Yeah. In the meanwhile, she's trying to have a logical discussion with Max Lord, who's still in the throes of um, all this power and of theory. this power. And you're right; he seems possessed by the stone at this point. Mm-hmm. And you see these pictures. You get get the montage of his past, which shows his father beating his mother, shows him being berated for wetting the bed. Kind of an ostracized kind of child because he didn't have what other kids had at the time, and that no friends at school shows him. It doesn't actually show him being bullied. It just implies being that he picked was on. not even picked on though. Well, I guess the one scene with the it does show him a little bit, but it's not. It's not, it's not, not like getting a shoved or, sort of thing. yeah, it, it's it's more kids walking past him and mocking yeah, him. Look at your shoes, or huh? What are you eating, weirdo? Yeah, but it, it isn't like being pushed or being shoved or being called names. It's, it's and then he's trying to start a business, and it you don't really you know, and then that's where it stops because it's like, wouldn't it be interesting to see like that he kept trying and that he kept trying, you know, yeah, sort of thing. Like there was there, you know. I, I always like the bad guys which think they're doing the right thing 
because they've just been kicked down a hole the entire time. If you this is but, and they're able to justify they're able to justify why they're doing this. I don't really have any justification about why Max Lord did this outside of well, I've tried everything else, and now I'm just going to go the magic route and just hope that this works. That montage didn't give me any empathy for him, and I think no. I, that that did feel to me like an ad. Oh yeah, no, it very much felt like an ad. It very yeah. much felt like something, that was something. Something that was on. inserted because people said I can't empathize with this character, and yet it didn't make me empathize with this character because it didn't. I'd have been I'd have been more impressed if it had been a. a more fittingly, a, a wealthy dad who was ignoring his child and the child wasn't able to get his attention. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't get his attention or even so much as that, like, you kept seeing this guy try and try and he was doing everything theoretically right, but that like, nothing just was working out for him at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, if you saw him going into these business meetings, like, all high and everything, and then, like, they just kind of leave it right through, it's like, but no, wait, no, I have... I have this big plan and everything. Like it just, it, it just didn't, it, it didn't. It, it felt added in. It needed in. more. It, okay, so that, it, it felt you, to me like it was added in and it didn't add anything. It, it felt as if like if you wanted to make me empathize with him, you don't show me what he was like as a kid. You show me what he was like as an adult because you, you as much as your childhood f- changes who you are at the end of the day here, like your adulthood, really, you know, especially your teenage and your adult years, really do. Or where you can be held more accountable for what you for what you come up and do. See, and I I felt like you could show him having a phone conversation, which is, oh come on, please, I need something to go my way. I just need something to go my exactly, way. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Or and, and more with his kid too. Like if you had more scenes with his kid, like how how excited he was for his kid's birthday party or something. Like you saw him being the most happiest guy in there, while like his wife was kind of like frumpy, kind of looking sort of aspect to that here or that like. Or them clearing out his business at one point where it was thriving and now they've cleared everything out of it here. It's like, you know, the rents do, you know, like you, yeah. if you got more aspects of him trying to be as successful as possible and just not making it, I kind of would have understand. Yeah. It would have felt a little more empathy for him and especially and you had to mix something in there with this kid because again, that would have been the best part for it. felt like there was him. such a disconnect between him and the kid. Because again, at the end of the day here, he leaves the kid at the office in the care of a care of one of his employees and then every time the kid arrives he pretty much isn't available no and and so 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 then you really i mean the real big thing you could have easily done there is you just leave a picture of your kid on the table on um, yeah. you and your you and your you and your kid on, prominently a picture of you and your kid on the desk that you can look back to frequently and be like, you know, like, that's my son. I love my son. Yeah. I have to see him on a daily basis sort of thing. Or just so much as that, like... Whereas he actually says when, when, when his son arrives at his office, he says, well, you know, like, is it the weekend already? Is yeah. it every weekend? You know... It's more like a nuisance sort of element. Yeah. Here. He doesn't want to see him. He makes it very clear. He, he just really doesn't want to see him. Yeah. So in the end... Diana's trying, trying. She's she she can't fight him. He's protected himself with a whirlwind. Um, and she somehow gets his lasso around his foot. Yeah, she's managed to she's managed managed to lasso the the television cameras, so he's no longer on camera, but he can be heard, mm-hmm. and they can be heard. And she and she starts. She, he doesn't realize the lasso's around her his foot. But she started to, to talk about recanting wishes and and the cost of the wishes and all those things. And he, he says, I'm not hearing you. She said, well, no, but they are. And he realizes that people around the world are, are 
recant starting to recant their wishes. wishes. But then he also, the way he ends up giving up his power is that he hears his son, and his son is being chased or something. It's not. He's on a freeway off ramp that's all broken down and. Well, he's, he's in just, the middle. Of, so he's in the middle so of chaos. He starts in the building first, and people are knocking down the door, and he runs from that. Although it's not entirely clear about what's why, happening, yeah. what's happening there, or why why he would be in any sort of danger. He's just a kid there. It's not like the yeah. they're after him. Um, and then he somehow winds up outside, which is again looks like a war zone um, has happened out there, and. You know, like he looks like he's on an overpass or something, or, or, or on a, like a, a busy road. Yeah, yeah. off ramp. I, I, I like off ramp. Um, and that so much is that like Maxwell Lord is like, no, I have to go save my kid. Where it's just like, all contrary to the all all logic of evidence contrary to that, like all of a sudden now you're super interested in your kid. Yeah. Where, like, you didn't really seem like that beforehand. Well, okay, okay. so let's jump forward. He realizes he has to save his kid. Yeah. So he finally leaves the the whatever light. Wait, what is that thing? He's, like, in the middle of a centrifuge, sort of. I don't know what that set dressing was, really. I, I think that's supposed There's to be no the particle thingy that's oh, shooting okay. up, maybe, to the satellite. I mean, okay. my best logic at the end of the day, That, maybe. that makes sense, because I wasn't getting that. So it was a weird set dressing he, element. Yeah, so he realizes that he needs that he wants a son. He he could hear his son calling for him. He re- suddenly realizes he needs his son, and he he decides to go to him. He's in a bunker in the middle of nowhere. It's dark. It's ra- rocky. It's mountainy, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's light, and he's on a lawn. Yeah, and that was the weird thing too. And cause, and, cause and he didn't were, take a helicopter. No, like he just like he's like he went outside and ran to it, and that was the weird, annoying part to me. Was like we were just at nighttime, and in now we're back in, at a bunker remote. That looked remote, and now we're back at the daytime, and not like daytime, kind of like the you know, early morning. Like it in almost midday. looks like like midday, maybe yeah. even getting to noonish, almost. Like the sun's been up for a while. Yeah, this is not, it's not yeah, dawning. Yeah, and there's nobody else in the street anywhere, and this kid has just kind of been roaming around well and when we last left cheetah she's just dead in water in theory well you know diana brings brings her up from the water Mm -hmm. and lays her down and now cheetah's awake and but but cheetah's not cheetah cheetah's Kristen wig but you never see her recant her 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 wish. wish what would make the most sense to me here at the end of the day if you played this out properly would be that, like, when you recant your wish, things go back to the way they were. But they Origin- don't. Originally. So if Lord, you know, so if the notion was that Maxwell Lord gives up his wish, everything that happened beforehand just kind of goes back to normal and nothing, as if nothing ever changed. So you kind of almost wish, like, you gone back in time, maybe. Maybe that's the recant. So the Amir recants his wish, and you, and, and then you the wall, see water. The wall comes down. The wall comes down, and you see water in the river. You see the president give up his wish for the nukes, and suddenly all the nukes disappear, and now suddenly this Russia... This is after, after Russia's launch, but then lo- Russia's thing blows up in mid-sky. In mid-sky, and just kind of dissolves and, dis- and like breaks up in sky, and nothing bad happens. No nuclear fallout or anything from radioactive stuff just... Yeah. dripping over the United States of what because you know. it's probably over the ocean. Okay. So like so like and, and again no, the, no the, mushroom cloud. There is no suspend reality. It's as if like 
the second everyone's, you know, immediately starts recanting their wishes, you know, which is not how normal humans would work. Some would, some won't. Yep. You know. The guy and, wants his Porsche. You know, like. Porsche. And everything, you know, everything, like, overnight kind of goes back to normal. Yeah. And then when we next see it again, we see it in. Christmas. In Christmas. And we kind of see the guy in the one outfit that Diana really liked. So this is the guy that that, that, that Steve Trevor's possessed. body took over. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it isn't Steve, Steve Trevor. It doesn't no. look like Steve Trevor. It's another good-looking guy. It's the actual original guy that we saw. But he's wearing the outfit that she put Steve in that mm-hmm. she found acceptable. Yeah. That she liked. And and, yeah. and, but everyone, and he's even like, all my friends give me shit for it. But like, I kind of like it. Yeah. And nothing else happens beyond that. They, they kind of they, they kind of have like a little like you know hey like, have a moment know. yeah but but there isn't but but they don't even get each other's names they don't even get anybody's names and there's not even this notion of like hey thanks um and wanna, it occurred to go, me you want to go grab like a coffee or something maybe which is what I expected to have happen um and and you know in that moment it dawned on me that if she'd wanted to do that she knew where he lived yeah and she didn't ever yeah. Yeah. Or, so. or or even so much as that, like, he doesn't recall her or anything that happened in between then at all. Yeah. And again, you could have had it very open-ended where it was like, hey, like, you want to go grab a coffee? Or you look familiar. Like, you look very familiar. If he had said, you look familiar, that would that would have been cute. That would have been cute, you know. So, but I think what really would have worked well there, especially, was just leave it open. Yeah. You know, hey, like, you want to go grab, like, a coffee maybe? Like, yeah. Because you seem, because like, I feel like I know you. Yeah. And Wonder Woman doesn't say anything now interesting little tidbit there is that um both petty jenkins husband and children and then gal gadot's children uh-huh. are in that christmas scene it's actually i think gal gadot's one of gal gadot's kids that throws the snowball, the snowball at, her. at her that's cute. so it's a cute little moment there that's cute so yeah this was a really bizarre movie not I, a favorite I, not no 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 i'd I, and I think what this really... If, you know, if it had been an hour and 45 minutes... I think we could have gotten there quicker. But this is, again, it's 150... It's 151 minutes. It's, it's two, two and hours. A half, two and a half hours long. Yeah. From start to finish. Yep. With a really, really banging Easter egg at the very end of the mid-credits. Love, love the Easter egg. Totally not going to spoil the Easter egg. No, no, not going to spoil the Easter egg. Um, so, yeah, I... I this just kind of goes back to the entire DC universe here where, like, they're not 100% certain are we being campy about it. And I think what part of the problem here is, is always just that this always goes back to um, Zack Snyder's intention. It, I think this realistically goes back to Zack Snyder at the end of the day where Zack Snyder was, when he, made, when he went to go make, um, you know, the first Superman movie that came out, and I can't really even remember its name because they didn't even call it Superman for whatever reason. Okay. Um, Man that of Steel. Uh, Man, Man of Steel, they called it Man of Steel. Um, it kind of goes back to there where, like, they were trying to keep it very hyper realistic. Yeah. And I think what they've real, and, and again, they did that as well with Batman v Superman. They made it very hyper realistic. And what they had to end up doing when they did their course correction for a lot of stuff here because they realized, like, this was not a this was not a well received movie. It's too realistic, but by that point as well, like you also saw all the Marvel movies that were coming out as well, that were very much of a we're having fun comic book movies, 
and the, and, and again, like you know, and I think there was this big course correction because again, they eventually got it right in Wonder in the Wonder Woman movie because there's a lot of humor and a lot of levity. It's a good it's, balance. It's, it's good. It's good balance balance between being realistic, especially when you get to the fight and action scenes and elements happening that make sense, but also enough to that you have like this levity of like. Yeah, we're sidekick characters, but hey, aren't we the most stereotypical, cool sidekick characters? There were, and there were opportunities for that as mm-hmm. well. So you could have had um, Kristen Wake have a, a lab attendant. I was hoping that maybe it would be the um, the Japanese guy that was helping her. Or maybe, had... or maybe so much that they came back, but they were the kids, and they were like sprinkled in throughout the movie. Maybe like yeah. these, like grandkids or something that like or just happened to be here again. Yeah, you could have had you could have had so so I mean there were a couple of different places where the movie went went in a different direction than I thought it was going to go. So one of them really was at the very beginning. I thought, okay, Wonder Woman's getting a sidekick. This is going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and I thought that development of of the Kristen Wiig Barbara character would have been fun to watch. And I I think that would have been both 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 able to balance their nerdy and suddenly their super strength and I mean the whole thing that makes Gal Gadot appealing Mm -hmm. is that she does seem articulate and smart oh yes and 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 sexy and strong and she embodies all those qualities in equal proportion and you and, and I love that she's shown using them in equal proportion she is not just about the lasso of truth or any of those or or her her, her gadgets her yeah her gimmicks she is about being able to reason this out she's able to figure things out because she knows these languages she can read mind glyphs all these things i would have rather seen if you were going to go for this being this long had the shaman go i can take you to this ruin we if we can go to this ruin say you go to guatemala or i can take you to this museum that has this stele and I know from my fa- my grandfather that the, the story of the stone is on this stele. And you could have had this stele be in a museum. He could have been he could have been another archaeologist. He could have been a Mayan expert at you know like in L.A. at, at the Smithsonian at the, at, or the L.A. Mu- at the yeah, L.A. Museum. The Peabody, which is in uh, I believe Pittsburgh, um, has a wonderful Mayan collection. So so that you could have had her read it off a stele, which to me would have been better than the book. Because yes. the book was, the have, book is totally, I have I have books on on Mayan glyphs and and they're not like that. They're not like that. No. They're they they show the glyphs and then they show English, you know, in in regular type explanations. Yeah. Um, whereas this book was entirely glyphs and it it's wasn't very colorful too. Yeah, yeah, and looks like a coloring book at a certain point. Yeah, and 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 very much pre-printed. It doesn't look like something that was hand drawn. No. So, so I, you know, you could have taken it there and she could have read it off a of stele and that to me would have been better. But that, that's minor and it doesn't really impact the story. But I like the idea that you get to see a woman be sexy, strong, and intelligent. And that the intelligence is an equal part in her and her ability to persuade Max at the end. Or her figuring out that if she could get people to recant, his health would deteriorate because that's what he took from them. Which is what starts to happen. And see, what I would have liked to have seen is that them going on that adventure, now let's say, or even just as it is now where they went to go see this Mayan expert guy, that this was the turning point for Kristen Wiig to go from 
what would have been sidekick, you know, to like, oh, you you want, you know, like, you, oh, wait a second, I made a wish on that rock too. I'm not giving this up. Yeah. You know, and be and, more blatant about and, it. And be more blatant about it, and you know, like, and if you had gotten like a little, and, and for her to suddenly have that aha moment when she got, oh, that's where the powers come from. That's yeah. why I'm, I'm all powerful. Yeah, I know who Wonder Woman is. I'm all powerful. And if you had gotten like little hints of her being more aggressive, like, like expect, and again, very easy to do here, like not with the drunk guy, but with the homeless guy. You know, yeah. like passing by the homeless guy is like, hey, Barbara, how are you doing? I was like, I, I don't have time for you. Like. Yeah, like, you all right, Barbara? Enough, and like you see her getting more aggressive, and and you know, and, and, you, and her losing some of some of her, what, her, yeah. her humanity at that point. You and you would have gotten that, and again, if that were the changing point, there were like now she's like, okay, no wait, I now know that you know from Diana, I now know that what that Max has the stone, you know, or that Max might be the stone, you know, like I thought you could have lost the entire Egypt thing, oh, yes. picked up time. And not lost any storyline. Oh, I absolutely agree. I think you went there just to get, just to be able to say like action scene, action scene, and oh well, we have to go there. It's like why do you have to? Because you there? could have had the flying thing with her needing to get to L.A. to see the shaman, and you, and, you, and and could have moved that scene there. You could have done the entire desert scene, in freaking like thousand in in a thousand in in Southern California, in Palm Desert. Could have very easily done it there. You. Which a lot of, and again, there's a lot of movies. Well, did that, you did you need it at all? Did you need it at all? But even or even so much as that, if you did need it here, like there's plenty of other opportunities instead of going to Spain to go shoot that. You know, like yeah. there's there was plenty of other opportunities there. So, yeah. um, I recommend the movie just to watch it. I, I, you know, it's not like there's a whole lot other and stuff to out the there. Stories, it, you know, and 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 I'll recommend the movie because I think it's a lovely slice of of '80s having been there. And I'm also, I would also just recommend the movie because we don't have, I mean, keep in mind, it's still directed by Patty Jenkins, who there's not a lot of female directors out there and you want to be able, you know, and at the same time, I still want to be, you know, I don't want a movie like this to say at the end of the day, oh, well, we should never have, you know, female directors ever again. They clearly can't, you know, do a movie like, they can't clearly do movies like this at all. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want that to become the narrative at any particular point. So like. I'm of the opinion here that, like, I may not like it, but I still kind of enjoyed watching it when it was happening. Like, I do, I do kind of, I mean, as much as I, like, lampoon the idea of Wonder Woman, you know, zipping around in her lasso and, like, these fights that are just, like, horribly choreographed here, like, I do still kind of enjoy the fights for just what they are. Like, if you just, if you just turn your brain off, which is what I did the second time watching it. It's fine. It's, it's not. It's not going to be great. It's a good like you know, C it, movie at the end of the day. If it had been shorter, oh yeah. If it was a lot shorter, this would have helped out because it's because it's a lot of time to 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 dedicate to one movie. Just two and a half hours, and and here's and here's and my it, and, the, and the bigger problem as well is it just doesn't do a good job of keeping your attention. Okay, so so here's here's my comment. And this is this is my hopes for a third Wonder Woman movie because I actually do hope there's a third Wonder Woman movie, mm-hmm. and that's that it didn't move our understanding of her forward. And I would like to see us move because she's now been in the real world for for at this point sixty years, from from the twenty from nineteen twenty to to nineteen eighty four, and um, 
I would like to move our, I would like her to evolve. To me, she's still the same person she was all those years before, even though she understands modern technology, even though she understands humans. Mm -hmm. I would like to move her forward and I don't feel like she moved forward so I'd like to see her have that opportunity well I'd also I would also like to figure out I would like the third movie to be you know like this element of longing to go back home yeah you know this notion that like you what know, she's like, what so, she like, sacrificed for this and the fact that, that I think she's pretty much decided she's only going to have one love of her life and is that going to be so yeah is she ever going to open herself up to another you know, and then at the same time here like you know, like, there's not a whole lot keeping me here around anymore, and, like, I'm not really gaining anything. Let me try to go home. I'm tired. And and the notion that, like, she can't go home is a character element now that, like... Well, how do you explain that she never ages? I mean, when does she change jobs? She's when a does golem. She become... Or she's a god. Oh, I understand that, but <laughs> in human time... I know. How do you explain? How do you explain that she that she still has a job like this to begin with? For being, you know, a person that looks to be in like her in like her early thirties. Well, how does she get her passport? How do you get a, how do you get a passport? How do you keep a job? How do you explain knowing all these all this knowledge and yet, you know, how do you how do you show credentials for anything? How do you get, you know, like it, where did and, you go to school? And especially as we get to um, as we get to more modern times, like I want to see a version here where like it's set in the late nineties. But it's her, but, like, with the age of this technology and everything, like, it, the ending of 1984 really needed to be Wonder Woman going back to the apartment um, after she, uh, getting back to the apartment and taking off her armor, like, because it was such a big struggle for her in that fight. Yeah. And that she has to now deal with the loss of her, of Steve again at this point. Yeah. But in so much as that when she gets to the apartment, the picture's missing. The picture that was the entire catalyst of what Wonder Woman was even in um, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice for. Yeah. And so much as that now going into the third movie, she's trying, still trying to find this photo. And, but she's also now realizing that, like, a lot of the stuff that she's missing in life, she thinks she can go back home to get it, but she can't get back home. Yeah. And I, I, I would like to see a version of Wonder Woman where... Not so much that she's doubting herself, but so much as that she's struggling to be this perfect individual, but yet still doing it, you know? Because, again, that's always one of the biggest problems that you have with characters like Superman and stuff like that. Like, Batman, at the end of the day, is okay to be vulnerable because he's still just a human and that what he's doing is not necessarily right, but he deals with it yeah. in this way versus, like... He's a vigilante, yeah. he knows, yeah. But versus, like, Superman's kind of like, he's supposed to be the most ideal sort of human at the end of the day, this good person at the end of the day. like. But it can't be fun to always be good. No, it can't to always be fun. make the right decision. Well, can't be, well, so much as that you can't always make the right decision, there is some nuance of like, what kind of, you know, what kind of, what kind of you know, damage does it do to a person? Because you see that in Steve Rogers. You see Steve Rogers, which is meant to be the most ideal, idyllic yeah. um, superhero at the end of the day here, you know, the, you know, literally his... His literal name and outfit is based off the American effing flag. Yeah. And yet when you get to um, Civil War here, like, you see that, like, he's still trying to be the... He's still trying to be a good person and the person that lives up to his ideals. It's just that it's complete contrast to what society needs from him right now. Yeah. And that's interesting. And I would love to see 
I would love to see a Superman that deals with that, or or again, or rather, I'd love to see Wonder Woman that deals with that. Yeah, because I, I think because I think that would be a good allegory for women who are for women in a lot of cases that are trying to be X, Y, and Z because society needs them to be that versus what they really want to do and be. Yep. So I think that yeah. I think that would be a good allegory. It, it'd be a, a better feminist um, message. Yeah. So. So yeah, I think we recommend to watch the movie. If anything else, just because it's out, it's out there and it's another cool superhero movie, and we don't know when Black Widow is coming out. Yeah. yeah. We also don't know when Gal. Gar- we, they have announced more Marvel stuff here. Like I'm very interested to see Miss Marvel, which will be interesting. Yeah. Um, and now Miss Marvel is supposed to be a, um, Pakistani girl that has Mister Fantastic powers that can stretch and everything. So that's supposed to be really cool. Um, it. And so there's a bunch of cool Marvel stuff that came out, which kind of gives me some ideas of what they might do in the future, maybe. But that's another podcast here. Yeah. Uh, but for this podcast here, we're going to have all the show notes available on our website at the nerdtutorialpodcast.com, all is one word. Um, and then we also continue our conversation as well on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash nerdtutorialpodcast. And then along with what we were following last week, which was Harry Potter and then now Wonder Woman we're following as well. All of our previous topics we follow on our Twitter page, so if you want to see any sort of new news that comes out for any one of our previous topics, or you just want to drop me a line there and, and let me know, you know, did I get something right, did I get something wrong, do you have ideas for future topics here as well, always looking for new topics here as well, you can let me know on Twitter at, at nerd underscore tutorial. Um, but for the time being here, we'll see you guys again next week, where you, we hope that you guys still stay safe out there in these weird times. And again, we'll see you again next week. Bye.